Drunk Valorant, episode number 32. Um, some interesting stuff going on. Basically, uh, well, actually, we'll get to that in a second. I forgot we got to cover some drinks here. Um, Hunter. There yeah, so, yeah, yep. So I have the peanut butter milk stout by Left Gross. Hand Brewing Co. Ugh. That sounds so bad. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. Jesus. <laughs> That that might be the first beer on the podcast that like I like I visually like or like I actually cringed at. I actively <laughs> would despise that beer. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I got them this is not from that one hall of beer from uh when I used to work at Cornerstone, but I did get these for free. Because for Memorial Day I was uh on a trip with some buddies that I, I used to do I actually used to do Boy Scouts with them, that's how I know them. And one of the guys there bought, like, a six-pack of these, or maybe it was even more, I forget. And, yeah, I think it was, like, a 12-pack. And he took one sip and, like, really didn't like them. He was like, oh, I'm not drinking these. And he is he's also, I don't have many rich friends, but he is, like, a full-on trust fund kid. <laughs> so, like, he's all the money he spends is his parents, so it, was, it wasn't like he cared about getting his money back out of it, so... I was like, can I have them? He was like, sure. And I thought it was really funny because, like, if you imagine, like, a peanut butter milk stout, there's definitely a chocolate flavor in there as well, even though it's not in the title. Like, it's basically exactly what you imagine. So you guys, I'm sure, would hate it just as much as you think you do. I actually kind of like it. Definitely not a favorite, but for free, I enjoy it. I mean, free beer is best beer, except for that. What is that? <laughs> I would, like, just not it's drink tasty. that. It's like a dessert beer. Although it yeah, sounds right. like it sounds like something I would like, because I really like sweet things, and I like peanut butter, mm -hmm. and I like chocolate, but you throw the word stout in there, and it just all becomes disgusting. Well, I, f I feel like most chocolate beer is a stout. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, well, I, I just more. don't like those flavors in beer. I, I hate dark beers. I see, I see. Okay. So, like, I'm, there's not going to be a chocolate beer that I do like. So, Cass, do you like dislike all stouts as well, or do I you like? I used some? to. I used to enjoy stouts. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't very much anymore. If I am not in North America, I would drink a Guinness, because Guinness actually has to pay by alcohol percentage when they import it. So the Guinness in the states is a lower alcohol percentage than it is like elsewhere, and oh, I find I that to me it tastes watered down. I don't know if they literally water it down to reach that alcohol percentage. But that's what it tastes like. Like that that's just what it tastes like to me. So when I'm not in North America, a Guinness is fine. Um To be fair, then, I only drink like really flavorful stouts because I don't mm. love them. And by flavorful I mean like lots of weird stuff added. But yeah, I do like uh, stouts in that capacity. Like I I'm not as against stouts as chases, like stouts and porters. I'm kinda grouping those together. Uh but I don't like I used to really enjoy them. I'd say I don't really anymore. Um, I do not think I would enjoy the beer that you are currently sipping on. Yeah, I, yeah, like I said, it's, it, the, the, I kind of made fun of the guy who gave them to me because I was like, "What did you expect? Like, this tastes exactly like what the title, like what it's advertised as." Yeah, like there's no surprises yeah. there. Right, mm -hmm. right. He was like, "Oh, it's too sweet, and the flavors don't taste like natural enough, or something." It was like some weird. Mm -hmm. But just, you know, as we're on the topic, it's a quick opportunity to give cash shit, and, you know, I like to jump on those. Um, mm -hmm. We're just going to go with, uh, you know, how you were saying that you don't think that Guinness is washed or watered down, um, much like skim milk is, right? No, skim milk is literally just watered down milk. 
it's fucking disgusting. I would like to Cass, point out here that, <laughs> that Cass <laughs> believed that in order to make skim milk, they took whole milk and added water to it. That's literally what it tastes like. <laughs> like, you, you won't change my mind on this. Like, skim milk is disgusting. It's not about what it tastes we're like. Not yeah, we're not arguing if it's good. We're arguing about how it's made. <laughs> the, the fact was that you actually thought that that was made that way. Yeah, Cass, why do you think it's called skim milk and not light milk? It could be I, called like, fat-free. But well, also, like if you the, water something down enough, it's not going to be fat-free still. Well, well actually, well, Chase, okay, did you yeah, explain to Cass how it's actually made? The the fat is congealed and skimmed off of yeah, the top of the yeah, milk. Yeah, I, yeah, I okay, get that okay. now. Okay, yeah, but yeah. I was under the assumption, because you know there's like 2% milk, right? Yeah. So, and like whole milk comes in around 4%. So Wait, thought, did you think it was like ninety eight percent water and like two percent milk? No, no, but like I, I just thought like <laughs> oh, okay, that I, would like, be I, I just thought that to get from four percent to two percent uh, from whole milk to two percent milk, oh, they're just like, well, there's the fat percentage. <laughs> the fat percentage in whole milk is four percent. Let's just add some water until we get to two percent, and then for skim milk, that's like I don't know what the fat percentage is, but hey, I thought they're like let's just water it down some more. Hey, Chase, you're choosing to believe that they water down the milk. I'm choosing to believe that you think that real milk is, like, you know, 50 times stronger than whatever's in any bottles. <laughs> You're adding over 90% water to all milk. <laughs> so, like, real milk is, like, super concentrated. Yeah, like sweetened condensed milk. Or yeah, yeah. sweetened yeah, condensed right, right. milk, I yeah, guess. Cass, Cass <laughs> probably thinks that that's, like, you know, the true milk. milk that comes out of the cow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I didn't grow up on a farm, so I've never drank in milk straight from the teat. So, who the fuck knows what that's like? I mean, clearly um, didn't grow up in a school either. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, my school actually went on a field trip to a farm and drank milk out of the cow. So, you not like literally cows? directly out of <laughs> okay. the cow, like not just lays on the ground, not utter <laughs> to mouth. Utter. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, he still thinks they watered down. <laughs> oh my goodness! No, I was saying I I don't think I've actually like seen a cow in person. We've kind of got over this before, but like I've seen cows as I drive down the road, and they're like cows over yonder. But like, never like you know been face to face with a cow. Did you guys like a quick cow fact slash trivia? Yeah, let's go. Uh, uh, why do cows moo? First cast, do you know? Is this, is this like a joke? No, this isn't. This is not. <laughs> it a sounds joke. like this a joke. Trivia. Yeah, I know like, it does sound like a, like a joke, for a joke but no, I, I don't know. Chase, do you know? I have no idea. See, we're, we're, it, cows actually moo because they're unhappy. So, like uh, a quiet cow is a happy cow. So, like we think of cows mooing as like you know just like a dog barking, but no, cows moo when they're distressed. So. If you if you are at a farm where their cows are being taken, where the cows are you know living the good life, they're going to be nice and quiet. Interesting. I want to I want to pet a cow. They seem they're not like they very, very nice. pettable. You know, like they're not soft. Yeah, but like except for those like fluffy cows. Yeah, like, I don't know where, you know, where like those Labrador exist. Oh, yeah. There's like fluffy like, you know, cows somewhere. Yeah, like labs aren't like fluffy, but it's still fun to pet them. Yeah, because it's gonna nuzzle up on you and love you, but the cow is not gonna do that. Uh, I've seen some maybe, videos maybe on Reddit. A friendly cow. There like, are some cows that are very like snuggly. Yeah, yeah. And they're just like they're big, you know. I, I like petting big things. Cool. I'm sure you. Except do, for yes. horses, horses are fucking scary. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so moving on from Hunter's beer, I actually got a beer that I think uh, you know I, I actually enjoy. Um, you think you enjoy it, or you do? Well, no, I do enjoy it. Okay. But like, I also think that I enjoy it. You know, they they go hand in hand. Like, I think, therefore, I am. Kind of like I fish, therefore, I am. What? Okay, I have not heard it, that. It, that's a. It's on a hat that I gave Cass because it was too small to fit my head. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> it was a great thrift. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, my beer is uh, it's a Slackwater Brewing. It's uh, my milkshake is better than yours. Dot, Does dot, it bring dot. all the boys to the yard though? That's the question. Um, well. Well, damn I'm right, not it's my better yard than yours. right now. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I can yeah, teach no, you. It's... But well, I have to charge. charge for it. Yeah. I mean, they, they did charge me for it. So. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Find that on Patreon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At any rate, it's it's pretty good. I I like it. It doesn't say lactose anywhere on the can, and I'm not really tasting any lactose in here, which is very surprising. But like, it's still pretty good. It just kind of tastes like a strawberry sour. I feel like because it's strawberry milkshake. milkshake. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's strawberry milkshake sour. I feel like because it says milkshake, there kind of has to be some lactose in here. But I'm really not tasting it if there is. Yeah, something to make it creamy. I guess it says milk sugar. I don't know what the fuck that is. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I, I believe milk sugar is a, just a fancy name for lactose, but I could be wrong. Mm. Anyway, I also have a beer. Um, we got a Smuggler's Trail uh, Scrumper's Triple Berry Sour. Um, I got it because I think that Scrumper's is a funny name, and I don't know what it means. Um, I don't know if that's the title of the beer or if that means something else in this context. Yeah. Um, but I, that's a funny word. So, it, yeah, it tastes pretty good too. Uh, it's got boysenberry, strawberry, and blueberry in it. And yeah. Um. What was the first flavor there? Strawberry and blueberry. But what was the first one? Boysenberry. Oh, fancy! I've had one like once. I don't think I've ever had a boysenberry, but I've had boysenberry flavored things. Maybe boysenberry pie. Is that a thing that people make? I don't know what a boysenberry um, looks like. I'm not sure. I don't think I've heard of a is boysenberry Is a boysenberry pie. a real berry? <laughs> it, it is. It actually is a real berry. Yeah. Because one time I had it, it was like right off a bush. Yeah, it's a cross between a European raspberry and a European blackberry. Interesting. Mm. I didn't know that there were European versus American blackberries in... Or I guess I European know. versus other blackberries and <laughs> raspberries. Well, at any rate, that's what a boysenberry is according to the Google. Yeah. And oh there you have it. Guys, I've I I found it. I found it. On the can it says the definition of scrumping. That's um, cool. It says scrumping is the act of thieving fruit from a neighboring orchard. Hmm. So I guess that, that answers my question. Lemon stealing whore. Yes. <laughs> all right, all right. So yes, that, oh, those great. are the beers. Cass, you want to launch into what you almost launched into preemptively? Yeah. Okay. So basically, here's the deal, right? Um, Riot isn't really doing anything with the game, so not not a ton of new stuff to talk about. Uh, so basically, today we're all gonna run our our mini soapboxes. Uh, I gave Hunter and Chase some homework. They had to come up with a topic 
of their choosing, and they're going to stand on their dinky little soapbox and and preach it. So who wants to, any volunteers, wants to go first? Like well, high school all over with that With that description, uh, I think that Hunter should go first. What was it, the dinky little soapbox that convinced you that I should go first? No, it's the fact that mine's not really a soapbox. <laughs> so I, I probably I shouldn't see. go right after the description of it being a soapbox. <laughs> got it, got it. I feel like mine is a soapbox that could either be kind of boring and be over quickly, or you could get into some good discussion about it. But um, well, let's find out. Well, those are those are kind of the two options. Well, I just feel like it's going to go one way or the other. It's going to mm-hmm. lean heavily in one direction. Okay. Um, so this was sparked by a couple different things in my head. Um, first of all, a couple weeks ago now, there was a one of the regular like uh, I forget what they call it is, is like state of the game like where the on the official Valorant website the devs answer answer like frequently asked questions and give updates as to what they're focused on, what, how things have been going. Um, and over, over time, they've said a lot of things in those dev, uh, posts. A lot of them do end up making it into the game and some of them don't like two examples of things that were referenced in this particular dev post that was discussed on Reddit were skin gifting, which initially the riot team said would be, available by the end of 2020 when the game came out and the replay system, which allowed, which would, for those of you who aren't familiar with how this works in other games, it would allow you to basically uh, replay the match with controls like a, as, as if you were an observer, <clears throat> but then you could like, you know, pause, uh, speed up, slow down, Basically, you can watch the game from everyone's perspective, you and your your team and the enemy team, while also, you know, having the controls to alter the experience however you like. Um, And a lot of people were very excited for that because that was something that was also in the works uh, in 2020, not long after the game launched. And so in this dev post, um, they said that the skin gifting is coming fairly soon, that they are working, they're working hard on that. But they said that at this at this point they don't have any plans for a replay system because basically they did some investigation into how it would work and it just wasn't feasible. And I saw a lot of people in the Reddit comments really, really mad saying, um, you know, uh, Riot is really greedy. They can get their skins out every... They can keep pumping out skins and taking our money, but... They can't focus on a feature they actually promised. And basically attributing this, seeing this as a huge sign of Riot's greed. Um, so I can, this is kind of a, you know, we're going to make this a two-parter. So my the first part is, do you guys, how, much, how often do you think you guys would actually use a replay system if there was one in the game? Uh, I mean, first I'd like to say, I think that this is first discussed on a Reddit AMA with a dev. Um Right where the dev came out and said, "Oh, like, the the replay system was first discussed." Then maybe not first, like, but recently, like, all the no. drama started with a Reddit AMA with the dev, where they said they were not working on it. It was um, definitely a dev post. Um, no, it was a dev post because they like, yeah, yeah, they they took a bunch of FAQs of like of their choosing and answered them, and we just like, no, we're not really doing this. Okay, well, either way, so it was related um, to Reddit for sure. Yeah. Okay, and um. Yeah, that's disappointing, because I feel like I would use 
a replay system a lot. Now, a lot of people are talking about, you know, content creators and how this would help them because, you know, they can go back and get cool angles on on cool plays that they had. It's not just your perspective that you clipped from, from while you were in game. Like, you can go back and you can have an aerial shot like a drone or you could flip between your enemy's perspective and yours, like, see how you caught them off guard. Right? That's cool from a content creator side. And I think it would produce a lot of really cool content. But then I think the really big part is just as a player, it's incredibly useful to be able to go back and see your games more than just what I've clipped, right? It's not just, you know, oh, I forgot to clip this while I was in game. Let's go get this sick 4K that I had, right? This is about, oh, I, like this other team fucking rolled us. What happened? Right? How were they setting up? How were they executing? You can see all of that. You can see from their perspective. Like, if one person was one tapping every time, how were they peaking angles so that they were able to do that? Was it just their aim or were they setting themselves up in a way that I didn't know? Right? Like, there's a lot I feel like that I don't understand while I'm playing the game. That if I had the time and the ability to review that, I would gain a lot more information. I think, like, we can learn a lot from it. So, I mean, that's the that's the biggest thing that I'm jumping to. Like, I think that I would use it constantly. Yeah, I I think I I would also use it a lot as well. And like one of the one of the big things that I'd be super curious about is um like timings, like being able to see where the enemy team is where. Like it, I I guess the biggest example that I can think of is, uh, yeah, especially as chamber, I really like pressuring mid on split when we're on attack. Uh, on defense, I prefer to play the extremities, but I, I'm fine with playing mid, but on on offense, I really like pushing mid. And oftentimes, like, there's a sage wall there that you got to get through. But one of the things that I think would be really interesting is to understand how teams react to that pressure, how they rotate, what, what timings are... Like, like you know, I and like I guess this kind of is just like team by team kind of thing. But like, if my team starts like really aggressively pushing at, how how quickly is the enemy team rotating over? Um, like, could I catch a timing in mid? Could I, you know, maybe if there's an omen on our team, could I ask him to like maybe smoke off, uh, be heaven side so I can work my way into ropes, like th- things like that. That, um. The only thing that I've got currently is just confirmation bias being like, oh, this worked for me once. Maybe it'll work again. Or this timing seems to be working out in my favor, but I don't necessarily know why. And I think being able to see where the enemy team is on the map while I'm like reviewing my games would be incredibly useful for that kind of stuff. Interesting. Um you guys obviously have very different perspectives on what you would use it for. And neither of them were the way I was thinking about it initially. Chase, it looks like you want to hop in. Yeah. I was going to just respond to Cass's point there that I, I think every team plays so differently, especially at our level that I'm not sure how much timing wise it's going to help you unless this is a consistent scenario that you realize you're consistently catching a timing in. Right. Where, oh, it seems like most people at this level play this way, right? But then I feel like you're going to get to a level where, you know, they don't play that way. Or 
just the yeah. team, like a lot of teams are just like not going to play that way. And you're going to have a, a raise randomly in a corner in mid somewhere. And that's sure, just how like, that raise plays. And it's not how you went up against the, the team last time that you re- that you reviewed. No, but I'm thinking a lot of it is like a lot of it comes down to like, you know, how long does it take you to get from or like how long does it take to get from point A to like point B? Right. Like when that like it is me pushing mid right and putting pressure on mid slowing down on average the enemy teams rotate right because if it's not and i'm not really getting any value in mid like maybe i'm not getting kills or something like that like i'm not like i'm not like stopping people rotating in or how do i phrase this like if say i'm putting a bunch of pressure on mid on split right and i'm breaking i'm breaking down that stage wall and people just don't rotate through mid anymore right it'd be nice to know like how how are they dealing with the fact that i am in mid are they dealing with it things like that as like more of a general rule of thumb and perhaps a bit less specifically how did the enemy jet react to me being here if that makes sense yeah i i feel like that to me makes a lot more sense than the idea of the timings just because you know, I feel like it's a bit of a crapshoot what timings the enemies use. And then once you get up to the highest levels, like if you're in a pro team, then at that point you can like look at VODs. But so like that seems like that would be very difficult to get value out of that. But the idea of what you're saying of like, you know, is pushing this area effective in drawing the other enemy team on this this specific area in this specific map? Yeah, that to- that totally makes sense. And I, uh, you know, when you said that, an idea came up for me that I hadn't considered before which is uh, a Yoru-specific thing, that um, particularly the fake-out, I can tell if someone shoots it or not. But my fake TP, if it's in an area where I'm not then immediately pushing and I just want to pretend I'm in a location, like, I would love to see other the enemy team's POV to be like, did they react to that fake? Like, was it close enough and realistic enough that they flicked their crosshair to it? Uh, because that is sometimes, if I don't encounter them immediately after that, I might never know how well that fake worked. Um, True. So yeah, I see yeah. that a lot. Yeah, of mm-hmm. knowing whether your plays worked. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, we did a fake on a site and then we rotated to B. Um, did we actually pull rotations? And you know, the rays just one tapped all of us when we got there. Right, like, did did we just yeah. get fucked up by one person doing really well, or, like, did our play not work? Should we adjust that play itself, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that That's kind of information would be very valuable. Or the Along other side of that of, yeah, like, oh, did, did nobody rotate off due to our fake, and we just got the kills going on to site, and that's why it worked. Right, right. Right, could we have just pushed straight up and gotten the same kills, and the result would have been the it exact same? It didn't really same. matter, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the the I think that dovetails nicely in with what you were saying earlier, Chase, which I also hadn't considered, which is that, you know, if a certain setup is really screwing you over or just, you know, a player doing really well, the chance to review that and be like, oh, let me see what they did so well. Um, I feel like it'd give a lot more closure to a really bad game to be like, oh, OK, well, this is what they were doing. Definitely. I, I think it turns a really yeah. bad game from like, fuck this. I don't want to play the game. Like Smurfs, I'm just getting rolled. Why is the like lobby balancing this way? Um, into 
oh shit, like what happened? And you can actually go in and be like, oh fuck, like they were there. Of course they were there. Maybe I should play that angle, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, that, yeah, that's huge. The learning experience feels like you've at least gained something. Yeah, I th- I think that I can see the replay system working mostly when you're losing. Mm. For for the learning aspect of it. Um. Although, yeah, I like, like, I think it's good examples that there. you brought up there of like there Game are as well. Yeah, there are possibilities of like when you're winning, you can still learn stuff, but. I think that in general, like if you're just rolling the other team, then it's not really going to give you a great op or a great like insight into what happens when you come up against a team that you're not rolling. Yeah. Right. If you're rolling them, like Mm -hmm. the only insight you're going to gain is like, well, got to keep doing what we were doing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Did, did, did I tilt them so much that they started, uh, you know, throwing or mollying their own team? You know, you can see that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, like one of the other things I'm thinking of is like, you know, oftentimes you make a really good play and it doesn't Mm -hmm. work out. Not, not necessarily because you whiffed shots or anything like that. Just sometimes you make a good play and it doesn't fucking work out in your favor. And this would be a way to go back and be like, okay, this was the right decision. I just got one tapped or like maybe, um, maybe our Viper carrying spike got, (laughs) got spammed down through a smoke. And now Spike's out in the middle of nowhere because her wall yeah. dropped. Like, it, it, I, I feel like it, it'd let you go back and be like, okay, like, you know, this the, this was still a good idea. We just got unlucky with the execution, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I, I do agree with Chase's general premise, though, that, like, it it would probably serve more as, like, a learning opportunity when things aren't going well after the game. Um, but either way, I, I think I would use it somewhat consistently, if not very consistently. That's, you know, I, as much as I am stubborn about certain things on the podcast, uh, I will admit that I, I do appreciate, you know, having my mind expanded and I was, I came into this uh, conversation thinking that like, you know, I don't think I'd really use the replay system all that much. Like most of the time you can find out from the mini map, what the rest of your team was doing, um, you know, you can analyze your own play and find out a lot as long as you clip it, which I do a lot. Um, but you guys have raised really excellent points to the, you know, to the, to the point where I've flipped my opinion. And I, I think that the replay system would make a much bigger difference than I thought. Um, but, uh, all that aside, sort of, so I guess we're all in agreement that a replay system would be really cool and would be, make the game significantly better. Um, Part two of it is, do you think that it is fair to attribute greed as the motive for Riot not putting out the replay system? And then if you'd like to generalize it out to other things as well, um, people tend to throw out, oh, Riot only cares about their skins and making money off of them in response to like any issue with the game that people don't like. Um, I mean, I would say yes and no. To answer mm-hmm. the question, um, you know, me, I was always sitting on the fence, but like in, in yeah. the, uh, in the yes category, right. It's easy to see where people are coming from of like, okay, well, you're going to prioritize these systems 
such as the other one you brought up, like the skin gifting, in which Riot is actively making money off of this. Okay, right? Not. How are they making money off skin gifting? Because people are buying skins. Yeah, but the like, I I feel like they make like they lose money off the skin gifting. What the skins no already way. purchased? If I give you a skin that I've already paid for, that's you not buying a skin, right? For example, I've got an RGX Vandal I don't use. If I gift that to somebody, that's like fucking fifty bucks. Riot isn't making. That's an exaggeration. I don't know how much the skin actually costs. Well, like, the... yeah, go ahead. Like, I, I own, like, not necessarily, like, incredibly expensive skins. Like, I don't own any knives that I'd be gifting to people. But, like, I own skins that are of, like, premium or higher tier that I do not use. Because either I've gotten a better one or I got it because I wanted the knife and I got a pack in the case of the RGX Vandal. Um, like if I give that to someone, that that's that's money that Riot's actively not making. If they were going to buy it themselves, in a way, well, there's also well, the you, uh, Pandora's box of skins. Right. Yeah. I was. I was gonna. Uh, that's what I was gonna say, uh, Chase. Which is that, you know, if you just look at that specific scenario where you can give your RGX Vandal to Tony because it's worth nothing to you and he pays you nothing for it, and now he, he has the skin. Then yeah, that does lose riot money uh, theoretically. At least it could. Um, but you know, I think what Chase was going at with the Pandora's box is that if it, if this becomes like CS:GO, now all of a sudden, you know, it, it basically if there are online marketplaces for buying and selling skins, now skins become investments rather than just in-game items. Because especially with battle pass skins and limited time skins such as like the arcane and champion stuff that you can't just get randomly in your store like you know theoretically that skin could have infinite value you know a couple a couple years down the line when someone wants that skin and can no longer buy it so that i think would could drastically increase the amount of people who buy uh battle pass and limited time skins and also I think that um, as Riot adds more skins, the number of like slots you get in your like store every day for your random skins you can buy has not changed since the game launched. And so as time goes on, it's gotten harder and harder to just like wait for that one skin you want to show up in your store, which could still lead you to want to, to pay for it. Um, so theoretically, the, the value to you of buying a skin increases a lot because of the chance of selling it for more money later, which could, you know, increase the money people spend on skins. Yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously, as Chase pointed out, there's the whole, like, I like I think if you do introduce this system, like, betting's inevitable. Like, skin betting will become a thing. And there's no good way to, like, there's no real way to stop it. Um, yeah. And, like, yeah, I, I do agree. You are opening Pandora's box once mm -hmm. you do that. But, on the flip side, there is, um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Give me a sec. I mean, betting becomes a thing. Also, yeah. like, you know, online marketplaces for buying and selling skins will, like, explode. Um, mm -hmm. Because, sure. you know, you can have a skin and then sell it to somebody and just gift it to, oh. gift it to them for that yeah, yeah. amount of money, right? right? Yeah, well, okay. one... 
Yeah, so one thing I actually, it makes more sense to let you go first. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so what I was going to say is because now, obviously, there are certain exceptions to this, like um, the ruined knife that people seem to really like, or um, as you pointed out, like the Champion's Vandal or the Champion's Karambit and the Arcane Sheriff are all examples of, you know, skins that you could not get anymore, no matter how much money you wanted to spend currently. But for the most part, I don't think it's going to become a, a a real issue. Whereas, like you see in in CS skins going for like ten thousand dollars, and I feel like that just can't happen because for the majority of the skins that exist in the game, there is a set price for them and a guaranteed manner of getting those skins. Uh, whereas in CS, because of the way loot boxes work, there's kind of artificial scarcity for you know skins like they could come out with this really sick ak skin that a bunch of people want right but because you have to get these loot boxes uh like yes by increasing the price or by allowing gifting and stuff valve makes a bunch of money off people being like oh i could hit it big i could get like a factory new edition of this ak um that'll be worth a lot of money and it's like oh like like, I got a chance. I only need to spend $3 for a Steam key. Like, right, maybe I right. can get it. But, and then you keep opening boxes and stuff like that. But, like, in the context of Valorant, like, the Glitch Pop Vandal costs 22 bucks. Right? It comes out. Everybody has access to buying it. It's $22. Well, I mean, now, we've had this discussion before, right? Like, have we? I mean, we maybe not on the podcast, but we've had the discussion itself uh, okay. amongst us where, yes, the, these skins have set prices, but how long is it going to take to show up in your store, right? That's the yeah, same, I'm saying a similar can, manner of loot boxes, right? It's right. not as heavy of a scarcity, artificial scarcity, but, like, it will be worth more online than it is in the store because you will have people that don't want to wait for that um, or, you know... Right. Wait, you don't know if it's ever going to happen, basically. Or maybe, like, the one day you don't log online, it happened, and then you're you're fucked. Well, yeah, and to go along with that, you know, the value of the skin increases the longer it's been since it's come out. Because, for example, the Neptune pack was the last pack to exit the store. And, like, and the vast, vast majority of people who play Valorant had the chance to buy any skin from that pack. You know, because... They not many, a very small percentage of the player plays you like just started playing since that happened. So like, if if you tried to resell a Neptune skin now, you probably w would have a hard time selling it at all. But like, if you use your example, like the Glitch Pop Vandal, you know, I'd be shocked if people you couldn't find someone willing to spend thirty dollars for your Glitch Pop Vandal. No, I'm I'm not arguing that. Like, I I, I could probably yes yeah, sell it for a premium, but like, it's not going to be that drastic, right? I'm not going to be able to charge someone a hundred bucks for it. I mean, maybe. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the though, market's going to end up at. Yes, if you buy every skin in the game and wait long enough and profit, and and you can consistently profit. I mean, obviously there are probably some skin packs that you're just going to be like, no, not it's, no one's going to like this. But like, it, it doesn't matter how little the, the profit is. The significant thing is that it costs you all, all. You're you're risking the money that you put into the skins, but like, other than that, it's so easy to do that people are going to do it. But again, like, like a lot of people, people are going to do it. 
Yeah, but the more people that buy those skins, right, like the less each individual person would be able to charge for it because there's just more of them going around that people are having interest in selling. Right? Well, like, well, the key thing is that, you know, you have to have some amount of money to do that, especially if you're going for the volume approach, because you have to wait a significant amount of time to sell it. It's not like you can just flip it in a couple of weeks so you can sure. put it on your credit card no, no, and then yeah, get yeah, it yeah. back. No, of course. But like the other thing is, like, you can only buy one of them, right? I can't own multiple, like, glitch pop skins. I mean, you True. can have multiple True. accounts open. I could have multiple accounts, sure. But, like, you, yeah. you can get one per account, right? Like, I, I like... I, and and I don't know, like, also, if you look at CS, like, I, I own a couple of skins for the guns that I enjoy using, and I think I paid, like, on average, a buck per skin. Because there's just a shit ton of them, and I find a skin at a, a low price point that I want. I'm not buying a right. fucking Dragon War op. That'd be disgusting and it'd be sick i i like it but like i'm not gonna drop the the thousands of dollars i i think i mean last i checked it was at like or what when i wanted it it was like 450 now i think it's way more but like like considerably more but at any rate like you you can find skins at a price point that you're willing to pay if you want those skins and then obviously anybody who like really wants one particular skin if you've been playing for a bit, like, you've always had the opportunity to get it, right? Which just isn't the case for, for loot boxes. Like, you could spend thousands and thousands of dollars on loot boxes and not get the role you want. But, yeah, but you could wait infinite time in Valorant to get the skin you want and never get it. But, yeah, yes... But if, like, and, like, which is why I'm not, like, I, I do think that there are a select couple of skins that would actually really go up in price. Like, the the Ruined Dagger uh, from, from, like, the first Battle Pass or, like, the second Battle Pass. I think there are a couple of skins that would really go up in price, but, like, See, here I, you I don't go. think it's going to be the vast majority Here's the them. thing that we've talked about that we haven't brought up yet is that Battle Pass skins, you can never get in your store. Right. The price of those is going to be exponentially more than a battle pass, right? If you have a Polyfox Spectre, I don't know what guns were made with the Polyfox. Bulldog. Bulldog, Guardian, uh, Judge, uh, Sheriff. Okay. So say yeah. I have a Polyfox Sheriff, right? That's mm -hmm. going to be worth way more than the $10 that I spent on that battle pass. Not Absolutely. necessarily. If people want it. Yeah, sure. That, that's the big thing, but right? But the thing is, it's a cool skin from a battle pass that is never available again. A, be a better example might be, as Hunter was talking about, the limited runs. If you have Arcane Sheriff, right, Calf, you have it. Yes, I do. Yeah. You know how many people now want Arcane Sheriff? A fuck you, ton. I'd be shocked if you if you would get less than $100 for your Arcane Sheriff. Yes. I, if you could sell it. I think you could I easily get $100 for an Arcane Sheriff. Yeah. I don't know easily. if I get $100 for it. But that, I, I, and I did admit that, like, skins like that, yes. But the big thing with, like, the Polyfox skin line is there are a lot of other options that people really like in the Sheriff category, right? Now, obviously, each person's personal taste is up to them. But there are a lot of really good sheriffs that you could get that will show up in your store that quite a few people own, right? And, like, say for, um, like, 
say for example like uh a new let's say they come out with a um uh what's a nice skin wine that doesn't have a sheriff um uh, uh, let's just go with the dra- uh, dragon dragon lore or what, what's it called elder flame. Is that it? elder flame elder flame um not even close <laughs> yeah yeah okay you you knew what i was talking about i got the job done yeah 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 uh, right you they come out with an elder flame sheriff right tomorrow let's say and everybody's like yo this is the sickest sheriff in the game and then like a bunch of people buy it and now like you know if you own an ion sheriff too which was super sick and you dislike the elder flame more now yeah you could go online and you could sell that and you could probably make some money off it because someone's like hey like i don't want to wait for this to show up in my store i want it like i have the money now i want it now i'm gonna i'm willing to pay you a bit more than what the face value of this is for it Mm. but again like there you're you're gonna be able to cycle through skins and i think in that regard it's really nice for people who you know aren't spending a ton of money on the game and you a new skin comes out that you really like and you're like hey like i really want to get this and if i sell my current skin for it i can get some of my money back if not maybe even a bit more but for for the most part like with the battle pass skins there are just there, there are a lot of other options that are super cool that people are going to be like willing to settle for almost for lack of a better word it, like if they're not just outright better right yes i think you're missing something very important here and for that i need to reference not valorant but fashion and that is in particular i want to talk about the supreme brand supreme branded clothes are not considered to be incredibly fashionable in terms of just the way they're designed like no one says oh supreme is as popular as it is because they just have the best color schemes they just have the most innovative like designs on them or like you know they're really high quality like they only use the best fabrics they you know make their stuff ethically people like love supreme i don't but people supreme is as popular as it is because it's very expensive and it's like limited i don't know to the extent to which they limit like how many of they'll make of a certain product but my understanding is a lot of their releases are limited run where like you have the opportunity to get them and then they have something else so people like line up at supreme stores to get their stuff right when it drops and so i think what's what's evident there is that you know if if people like yes there are way cooler sheriffs than the uh polyfox sheriff but the fact of the matter is a lot of people really appreciate having something that's rare and something that's expensive something that they can that they can pull out in the game and when someone else when the enemy team picks it up off the ground they say yo whose polyfox sheriff is this because they know they either have been in the game for a really long time or they spent big money to get that polyfox sheriff and it's really unique the fact that you said oh yeah a lot of people might have the reaver sheriff well sure and that makes it much less desirable if you want to be different and if you want to be unique and that's the whole reason why i think people would want to spend big money on these things I mean, yeah, I completely agree I, with you. I, I just feel like the the market isn't quite the same because, like, you brought up the example of Supreme, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Supreme sold a, a brick, for example. Right, it was right, literally right. just a brick. It said Supreme yeah. on it. Like, it's not a, it's not like a brick of cocaine or anything like that. It, Are you sure? Fucking... Can you confirm there wasn't cocaine inside? No, no, I cannot. But it's just a, it's a literal <laughs> fucking brick. Like that, that's it. Um, but they only make 
500 of them, say, right? When a skin comes out in Valorant, as many people can buy it as they want. And so, yes, there is the potential for a given skin pack to not sell very well. And there's so many skins in the game that, like, you're like, oh, you know what? I actually really like that, say, Ruination Phantom. I think that's a sick skin. I really want that. But there's so many skins in my store, like, would, like I'm never going to get it in my as one of the options I can buy. But for the most part, the skins that people want are also going to sell pretty well. I mean, so basically the the end all here is that the older a skin is, especially if it happens before the system drops, yeah. the more valuable it's going to be. Because when this system drops, then there might be a plethora of, of skins available because people have bought them, assuming that you know, they're going to make a return on their investment over time. Um, right. But for anything before this, where people have not been thinking of that, those skins will be very expensive and will be able to like, you know, sell for, for a higher price than if they showed up in your store. And I did want to push back on one thing you said, Cass, you said that, you know, like Supreme sold the bricks at such a high price because they only had 500 of them. I just went to Supreme's website for the first time ever in my life <laughs> to investigate this. And I think that that was like a very special, like promotional thing that in general, they are not super like limited in terms of the amount of each product they have. It's just, they only make each product for a certain amount of time. And maybe like once they run out of stock, they don't make more, but like it doesn't advertise on the website for like these random pants. I looked up, like, oh, own one of 1,000 that we're making. So I think that the argument that you picked about the brick is actually the exception rather than the rule. And it's much more like Valorant in terms of, you know, this will be available for a limited time. Get it before they move on to something else. I mean, I think the, the actual example is in the middle there. Like, I think that it's not like everybody who wants one during this day where Supreme is selling a brick or a pair of pants, or a skateboard deck, can get it, right? It's yeah. You, the reason why people line up is because there's only a certain amount, right? And Supreme doesn't sell their stuff for insanely high prices, MSRP. Um, well, the resale market ooh. is ridiculous. But things from their store are like, you know, higher-end fashion brand, right? Like, it, it's a skate brand. Yeah. Uh, like oh, skate, it was street, a skate it's a streetwear brand. Um, I mean, they still sell skate decks, but yeah, yeah, but like that's not really what they're known for anymore. No, I'm, I'm sure there are other companies that have taken the same path. Um, mm-hmm. but there is a scarcity there, right? Like there is, there's a scarcity that you know if you didn't live in a city with a Supreme store. Um, and could line up outside of the store two days in advance and not have work to go to and not have, you know, other things that you had to do, then yes, you can get this. Or, you know, if you were fast enough with your clicking, if you had a bot to to click at the right time when they dropped it so that you were able to, to order one of the, you know, 10,000 that were available, um, then then you got it. But that's not everybody, right? Not everybody is available at that time at that at that moment like the scarcity is definitely increased so 
yes, when Valorant comes out with this, like gu- gun skins don't have a limit at all, right? Supreme makes a certain amount of shirts, even if it's a lot. There's a certain amount of shirts, but the glitch pop vandal when it was in the store could have infinite purchases, and it still can have that is true purchases. Like you can still buy it; it's still available if you happen to have it in your store. But no, like that that right. was kind of the point I was getting at. I just chose 500 as like just a number. But like Yeah, that, I mean, I like, that's it's fair. It's a physical they... object. Like it is limited yeah. in some regard. They only make however many of them. And that number could be 5,000. The number could be 5, right? But like they only make a certain number of them. And you're limited in that regard. Um and like yes, I do think if they introduce this uh skin trading system that there would be a couple of skins that are worth considerably more than what they were purchased for. Um, some battle pass skins, some of the limited edition skins. Um, I do think there are a couple of them, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be like a massive, like resale market thing here. Um, now, well, I, a couple of things. Um, the first thing is, I think this is actually rather consumer friendly for the average buyer in terms of, hey, I really want this knife that came out in the new pack. But I already have a really nice op skin. I already have a really nice vandal skin. I don't really need those. But if I buy this pack and then I can go and resell that op skin or that vandal skin, even if I sell it at a bit of a loss, like for the, like if you wanted just the vandal, it would cost you, say, 25 bucks. Even if I sell it for like 23, 22 I'm still making back a bunch of the money that I spent on the pack when I just wanted the knife. Yeah, right? since the knife is free, but yeah. it only costs 50 um, bucks or whatever. Yeah. Right. Or alternatively, I, um, yeah, actually, now that you bring that up, like, I, I think if they don't change the pricing system whatsoever, you could, if you had the capital to do so, probably get knives for basically free. Like, if you bought the pack and sold off the other skins, because the knife is free. Right. I mean, yeah, actually, you know, you know, it's wild. No. Cass. What do you mean? Whoa, no. whoa. I, I just thought about this. I just thought about this. Right. So what if what if you buy a pack? You sell all of the guns for a slight loss. Let's say you lose two dollars on each gun. So you probably have to wait a little bit of time for this to happen, because obviously you couldn't sell them while the pack was still live. Why, well, why actually, well, you if could I, if, if you're I'm selling losing, them at a loss. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm yeah. yeah never loss. mind. Right, right, right. So you're selling at a loss. You can sell the gun skins immediately uh, and take like a $2 loss on each one. So let's, let's say there are four gun skins, so you lost $8 in total. Then you could list the knife for something like 20 bucks, like half of what it would be for you to buy the, the knife individually. And now someone buys the knife for 20 bucks. Now you've come out $12 ahead. And, like, you could do that on, like, you could make infinite accounts and do that on as many accounts as you want. Yep. Like, that that would that would be interesting. That's interesting. Cause that, because of that, Valorant would have to change their yeah, that's pricing what I'm system. Saying. They'd have to change their pricing system. Well, would they, um, though? Because their pricing system is the way that it is right now because they really want you to buy the pack if you want the knife. But in this situation, if that becomes profitable to do then so many more people will be buying the pack to make profit. Is Valorant just happy because they're still making a fuck ton of money off right. of people buying the whole pack? They might be making pack. more money. Yeah. yeah. 
the other the other thing that I was gonna say that makes it a, like kind of consumer friendly is um hey I'm I'm somewhat in the market for a new Vandal like I I really like the glitch pop but like mm-hmm. you know I've owned it for a while um it's the first skin that I bought in the game I like it still but but I wouldn't mind something new you know. Well, and hey, if, I were to if, buy... if uh, skin gifting becomes a thing, I'll be willing to sell you my Neptune uh, Vandal for a cool 250 bucks because I really like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want your Neptune Vandal. Now, the, know, the Reaver Vandal that you've got on your alt. Ooh. Now, okay, now we might be now now we're might talking. Be talking. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, at the end of the day, like, I, I could probably just go and sell my Glitch Pop Vandal if I got a new Oh, one yeah, and Cass, I got that like, Reaver Vandal in the night market, so I'd sell that to you for just, like, normal price, yeah. and I'd come out ahead. Yeah, um, yeah so, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the whole skin gifting thing is, is rather consumer-friendly, more so than Riot making money. And, Hunter, to get back to your original point of is Riot yeah. just being greedy um, and coming out with all these skin lines and, like, not doing actual stuff... I'm going to go ahead and just say, I'm just going to go ahead and give you a fat no, because it's completely different fucking departments. The people who come up and create the skins do not have the skill set to provide us with a replay system. They're, they're not the same devs. Yeah. Like, they're, they're not the same people behind it. Like, now, could you argue the Riot is perhaps misallocating funds in terms of who they're hiring? Well, yes and no, and... Like I see the argument there, but at the end of the day, it's a free-to-play game. They need to make some money off of it, and if they weren't making money off of it, then this game wouldn't get any updates whatsoever, right? So, like, I understand the yeah. need for their two B, two B skins that they could like somewhat consistently come out with. To like, it, they need to make a profit, otherwise, we wouldn't have this game. And it's literally different departments, right? Like. It's not like they're taking somebody who could be working on the replay system and being like, yo, we need you to design this next skin line so we can make money. Yeah. Like, no, so yes, I, but th- this is the crux of my original point, which was yes and no, of that in in the yes part, like, I, I don't know which part was yes, which part was no. But in, in the Valorant is greedy part, um, they, they were like, prioritizing these systems right which they can prioritize via hiring via you know allocation of resources like in what other whatever ways right if they wanted to push an actual game developing item through they can do that right the same way that they can push through a a new skin pack every two weeks um yeah but in the no part exactly what you were saying um you know these are these are different departments it's not necessarily the same people working on this um and there are other factors at play where you know skins in general are kind of easy to implement into the game you know they already have a system to do it they just need the artwork for it so they yeah. they have a team that's doing the artwork that's doing the sound design that's doing that and you know I'm not trying to diminish the amount of work that goes into all of these skins especially the higher end ones because there's a lot of work that goes into that but there's a lot more integration process with something like a replay system um because it has to work with all of the other existing elements in the game um and the biggest thing that I think that they've been talking about with this is they haven't figured out a way to implement the the replay system where it won't cause 
um, negative like repercussions on on your gameplay experience, right? Where are they recording this data to, right? Is this slowing down your own your your computer? Is this slowing down your FPS, right? Um, how are you going to access this replay system, and where is that data saved to? That's like a huge, huge barrier to entry um, for implementing this. And do yeah. I think they can do it? Yes. And could, if they wanted to, yes, they could have a team working on that. And it seems at this point, they don't even have a team working on it. So that that's a resources thing. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say following that dev post that like circulated on Reddit and like just the online community in general that got really pissed off of that i'd say they probably do now have a team on that but because they, they did come out and say they do want to explore it they're just not an right. immediate priority now, like they kind of backed off a little bit from saying they, it's they backed off but they happening. popped out of it at the same time by saying yeah. yeah we do want to explore it but really like why you're so mad is because we haven't been very open with you and telling you all the cool things we are working on right which i think i i, I do think like that guy did raise a somewhat valid point, and I, I think that also whoever their PR manager who was that was in charge of that dev post that came out should probably get fired because yeah, like they get they literally got to pick and choose the questions that they answered because it's not like it was a live thing where there's somebody standing up and being like, hey, what are your opinions on blah blah blah? It, it was like they literally like pick and chose questions that got submitted to them and created answers for them. And all the questions that they picked, their answers are just like, no, we're not doing that. Or that's not a priority. Or Besides we're not the skin gifting. Right. Like, it's just like, pick better questions then, dude. Like, it's like, yes, yeah. I see what you're saying about you guys not being open and communicating the cool stuff that you are doing. But it's like, this is literally your opportunity to do exactly that. You picked the fucking questions. Yeah, I mean, but the, the other yeah. post was in hindsight, right? It was in yeah, hindsight saying, hey, like, you know, you're all so mad at this, but it's because we haven't been open about it. But mm. th to me, that's not a, that's like a deflection. That's not a, hey, yeah, we're course. going to no, be I'm working not, on this. Yeah. That's a, oh, no, we've been working on this other thing, which is, you know, allocating funds and resources and personnel, whatever, to to other systems in the game, which we don't even know what they, they are. They've said that, and then, you know, where, where has that been? And yeah. like also, I, I do think that... Phoenix getting a new hairstyle. Maybe that's what they've been working so hard on. Yeah, fuck off. Give me a replay system. Yeah. <laughs> um... Well, I, I think that uh, one thing that I had not thought of until you guys were talking about this communication problem, uh, if or at least that element of it, is that this kind of parallels another game that a lot of people have heard of and that I enjoy, which is Cyberpunk 2077, where basically the devs throughout the development of the game, especially in like the last three years before the release, they spent a lot of time sharing their vision, sharing like things they wanted to happen in the game. And then even in cases, uh, they had like a gameplay demo three years or two years before release, which included a lot of things that were sort of in the experimental phase that they kind of, you know, patched together for the demo for people to try and then posted a video of it on YouTube. And as a result of them kind of putting out there what they wanted to accomplish the game, like a lot of people had that as the expectation for like what was definitely going to be in the final product. And so then as release got closer and they, you know, ran into, oh shit, like it's a little, diff it's kind of tough to actually 
put all this in the game and were running out of time and, and possibly money, then they had to dial back a bunch and they didn't communicate that very well of, of what they were dialing back. And then people were really upset. And it's similar with this. Like when you, when you say in the first year of the game, oh yeah, we're, we're working on a replay system and then you don't address it for a while. Then all of a sudden it's just no without like, it's one of those things where I believe that the dev who said we're working on it legitimately, they were exploring it at the time and then they decided it wasn't going to work out and they needed to have at some point in there, like make an apologetic post saying, you know, we can't, we can't do this and be more sensitive about it. Or, you know, the other option is just be careful with saying you're working on something until you know that it's feasible and it's going to happen within a certain time frame. Yeah. Um, since you guys have talked a lot until just then where I gave that little monologue, uh, I'll also weigh in on my initial question in terms of is Valorant being greedy and for once, uh, well, not for once, it's happened a couple times, but oddly enough, I almost fully agree with Cass in what you were saying about, you know, it being different teams because I don't feel like there's been signs of Riot trying to really, really twist the screws on us Valorant players when it comes to the monetization, um, on the one hand, there have been some skin packs that, you know, are more expensive, particularly like in the ultra tiers, like the ultra ultra, like with the um, Spectrum pack with the Zed music and the uh, uh, protocol pack with the new voice lines and stuff. But they also have genuinely improved the quality of the skins over time as well with like, you know, variants for knives and the ability to choose which level you want upgraded for your stuff. And it's, of course, very difficult once you have a status quo for the quality of the skins. It's very tough to then say, oh, let's have the budget we put towards our skins to then spend that money on people who will be working on game systems. Because if the skin quality just, you know, drops through the floor, or at least is significantly worse, then all of a sudden you're looking at losing a considerable amount of money over what you have been you know, doing, which looks bad for any investors you have. Like, it's a whole mess. So, yeah, I kind of tend to agree that, and then tying into what you were saying, Chase, about how, I think it was you, Chase, who was talking about how difficult, how there are some complications involved with how exactly would the replay system work on a technical level. Like, yeah, you know, they could have servers that host the replay, but that, you know, is probably more processing power than actually running the game in the first place. And then... On the other hand, like, yeah, maybe you could run it locally on your machine, but your machine is normally running just your inputs and showing what's happening on the server. So it would, it would probably be incredibly demanding. Like, probably only the top-end machines could, like, run a, the replay on your computer with high effectiveness. So I'm going to come down and say, no, Riot isn't greedy. People are tripping. Yeah, I think that there's definitely a way they can implement it, especially because it's been implemented in other games right 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 i'm not sure exactly what those those games are because i don't play any other games um but i think the three that people throw out are league overwatch and csgo okay i mean those are three very comparable games to valorant so it obviously works like i okay but i i think the problem is they probably didn't anticipate or well maybe they did but like I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say they didn't anticipate people wanting this from the get-go. Otherwise, there there would have been some strides in that regard. 
And like, if you don't design the game, now keep in mind, I know Jack Dick about how to fucking code a game. So I am completely talking out of my ass here. But I'm going to go ahead and say that if you didn't design it around that being a feature, then it's probably really difficult to implement that as a feature in hindsight. Well, I yeah, think that there are replay along systems. Those lines... that, like, did all of these systems launch? Did these other games launch with replay systems? I, I, I don't, don't know. know, but like, I, I know uh, Call of Duty, I... for example, often does launch with a replay system. Um, like, I know that was a huge thing in like one of the Treyarch games uh, when they came out with the new Call of Duty. It was like, oh, like we've got this replay system. You can be like observer drone style, go and get clips of your gameplay, and this is kind of before. Anybody could just, like, clip your shit, like, especially on, like, a console level. Like, you needed to have, like, a special third-party thing that you could, like, record your gameplay with. Or like, a capture card, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this was huge when they came out with it. Um, But that, that did launch with the game. And, like, that's well, something that you can go yeah. in being like, hey, we want to design around this. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, you know, I'm sure that makes it easier uh, if you have that goal initially. Um, but a couple, a couple notes on what two things you guys have said. Um, first of all, I know for a fact that both CSGO and League did not launch with replay systems and added them in years later. Um, Overwatch, I have no idea. Um, and also one thing I saw people saying online, you know, people who claim to have tech knowledge, you never really know online, but one thing I saw people saying online is that Valorant having 128 tick servers versus 64 tick in CSGO and I imagine that League and Overwatch would also not be a full 128 tick. That that is a huge jump in processing power, like more than double processing power of the servers to actually handle that, which then makes it that much more difficult. Expensive for Riot if it's on their end, or difficult for your system to handle actually running the game back. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like, there, there's definitely technical barriers. But they've yeah. obviously been surpassed in other games, even if it's not, you know, exactly the same scenario. Obviously, it's not the exact it's same It's definitely scenario. a bad look for Valorant. Yeah, but I think it's a bad look to say, oh, we can't do this when you as a company, being Riot, has done it. Well, I mean, yeah, you've done it in League, but, like, League is a very different game. Like, it's entirely possible that it's so much more difficult in Valorant that either it's financially unviable for Riot or you know, just not possible for people to do on their own. I don't know. But I'm just saying that I, I don't think it's fair to say that just because Riot's done it with League, they should be able to do it with Valorant too. Like, it kind of feels that way to people, but I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah, I guess we, we don't know because we don't have any, like, programming experience. I mean, Hunter, you have the most out of any of us. Yeah, uh, I don't have intensive server programming experience. So, yeah, I, I can't really accurately speak. Yeah, and then Cass and I have significantly less so we we literally have no yeah. idea what we're talking about when it comes to the yeah. actual implementation of this system but you know I'm welcome to it, drunk so. valorant yeah, yeah this is definitely the part where we start speculating about stuff <laughs> so. um, um i might kind of just close out my soapbox here because i feel like we've discussed a lot of good yeah, things about say, it and we, we definitely lean towards the uh you know lots of good discussion which is what i was hoping i said i thought complete dota really good and i'm glad it turned out so good now Cass, i hope Thank you didn't you have a soapbox yourself because uh, I do. Well, yeah, it's, we're <laughs> uh -oh. not getting to it. <laughs> uh oh. Um, I mean, it depends on you. You're the, you're the leader of this, but I I think uh, 
timing wise we're, we're a little uh long I, I cat or hunter was definitely correct in saying that it was going to either spark a lot or nothing and he was correct on the a lot yeah now if we're going to transition into into mine next um it's not a personal soapbox. Of course, we're going to go right back to last episode talking about me using other people's content for my ideas because I don't want to do work outside the fucking podcast. <laughs> so here we go again. Um, something I've brought up to Cass multiple times over the last few episodes being like, hey, we got to get this in. And I was like, hey, this is my opportunity to just actually do it. Um, we're going back to some aging ideas. Because we covered like <laughs> three of, like a month ago. And I'd like to say that, you know, when this episode drops, um, it will be my birthday, for one. Um, so, oh, let's go. And then, two, it will be the two-month anniversary of when these next um, oh my like agent ideas wow. were, uh, were posted in our Discord. So I think after Cass, two months, it's pretty fair that we get to them. Cass, are you, are you seriously telling me as the host, you let these good ideas just sit unused for all this time? I feel like this is solely on you, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't read through that channel very much. <laughs> oh, no. We got to self-report in the chat. Yeah, no. Cass doesn't go through Discord oh, a lot at all. Unlucky. Does he read through the channel? Barely. Any of the channels. Okay, well, I'm going to call an emergency uh, meeting and vote to kick uh, Cass uh, out of here as host. <laughs> yeah. No, not actually. But... I mean, I think that you can redeem yourself by boosting our server up to level two. <laughs> I don't even know what that does. I'll be real with you. Come on, it lets yeah, us... I'm going to be honest, it, it sounds like that costs money, which is, like, really not my forte right now. <laughs> I mean, yes, it does. Um, anyway, let's get into it. Uh, this, this post here is incredibly long. I feel like we stopped at the, uh, at the time where, um, this, like, like, I'm still scrolling. Like, you have to scroll multiple pages for this agent idea. Oh, is this from Nudes? Yes, this is an insane amount yeah. of work. Um, and Nudes, like, good on you. This is crazy. Um, I, it's been so long that I have no idea what this agent is anymore. Like I definitely read it when it was first put into into chat, but I'm gonna be just as surprised as if I'm reading it for the first time because I don't so you're fucking getting remember shit. Chase's live reaction here, which is pretty cool. I mean, and definitely Cass's live reaction. He's never read it. Well, don't don't call me out like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you called, called yourself, yourself out. Like <laughs> yeah, but like you know, there there was the potential that like maybe I read this one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so to intro, Nudes says, in episode 22, which, what is this, episode 32? Um, oh yeah. my god, that's embarrassing. Well, are you the one who's asking what episode we're on now? No, I mean, I, I knew. Uh, it was a rhetorical yeah, question. Yeah, like he says in hindsight. Um, <laughs> in episode 22, Cass said that he wanted to see more agents with direct counters to other agents' ability. Um as well as seeing more agents with passive abilities. From these, I created a character who has utility to directly counter Sova's recon dart, as well as has a passive. This is Vista. Now, episode 22 was probably before Sova nerfs. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, and, you know, I think that there, obviously there's been a lot 
in the game since then. So we'll see how, how balanced this character is in the current meta. Now, um, assassin agent idea. Name Sophia Rossi. Codename Vista. Um, she is Italian. Unknown race. Um, ult points 7. Connection. Breach brings her into the protocol. She has been hired by his family in the past, as well as worked with Breach. So a little bit of lore there. Um, passive. Steps. Uh, footstep sound is reduced. Sound range of sound cues of all utility reduced. Sound cues of equipping cloak. Sound cue of, planting, of placing pinprick. I'm assuming those are her other abilities. Weapon sound range is not effective. Map equipment not affected. Is not affected. Oh, Weapon not sound affected. range is not affected. Yeah, uh, not affected. Map equipment not affected. Teleport zipline stores. So this agent's passive is that she's quieter in utility. And footsteps. And foot. Okay, footsteps huge because like utility itself just has a sound range, right? Yeah. Or does yeah, play, I, like does placing utility give the same sound range of you know the little circle on your map? Um, that's a good question because I think utility does have like a specific sound range. For example, like I know Chambers trademark like you can hear it within like I believe it's twelve meters now. It used to be like nine. Um, so like I, I know your utility does have a given sound range that is not just that ring around you that is the same as your steps what about placing it though because this is yeah see i I often wonder that yeah i often wonder that when i place a a chamber tp down um i don't know what the range is so like like, is that the same as an omen smoke dropping yeah like if i'm doing it up close and personal i don't know if like i'm not really sure if people can hear that or not and i kind of just bank on the fact that like they can and i assume that they can and therefore they're going to react accordingly but i don't actually know yeah i have no idea what the ranges are and if they're different i mean if they are different then this seems you know like not much of an ability other than the footsteps like the second part of this is is obviously it's just like you know it's range is its range when it says sound range is not affected i wonder if that applies to reloading as well i think I think so. I think it's basically just saying footstep, like enemies cannot hear your footsteps until a smaller range than normal. Yeah, which like just as a passive alone, that's pretty fucking good. Pretty fucking like, good. All the other shit aside, like that's pretty fucking good. Obviously, balance of how uh, how much it's Ball reduced. Yeah. yeah. Okay, anyway, for, for the uh, Cloak, the E. Um, so this is their signature ability. That's right. Um, yep, yep. Equip a cloak that lasts for 15 seconds. Cloak makes you invisible to enemies while in use. Cloak can be unequipped at any time with time left over. Time will regenerate after 20 seconds. Think neon run time bar, but with a cooldown. If enemies get within a specified distance to Vista, they see a mist on their screen, similar to an ulted Yoru getting near. Uh, cloak makes it so Sova Arrow does not ping you, Cypher Camera cannot see you, Sky Dog cannot see you, Drone and Dog will experience the mist mentioned previously. If a drone or camera shoots a bolt at you, even though they can't see you, you will still get pinged. Uh, Cypher Ult still pings you. 
All debuffs affect you in Cloak. Uh, blind, slow, decay, near sight, etc. Movement speed is reduced while in Cloak. Walking with knife out speed. Wow, there's, I don't know there's a part two. Intended this? Oh, oh, go ahead. Um, sound cue when equipped and unequipped. Passive applies. Uh, gun and knife are unequipped while in, in cloak. So you have nothing out, right? Um, kind of like the it's like, ult. or like a neon. Oh, it's run, like right? it's like pre pre change your ult is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't equip a gun or a knife in current your revolt. Yeah, you but you can pull out abilities and shit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this doesn't say anything about utilities. Yeah, that, that it, yeah. Re-equip of weapon time um, is reduced when cloak gets unequipped. What's that? Not as fast as after jet dash, but not as slow as normal weapon equip time. It's how fast you can pull your gun out. Okay. Yeah. Um, while using Cloak, when Vista gets hit with a utility that has an effect, Cypher Trapwire, Chamber Slowbot, Killjoy Alarmbot, etc., an outline of Vista flickers into view for a second. Think Reyna and Dismiss Outline. This also applies when hit with damage. Bullets, ults that deal damage, utility that deals damage. Exception to this rule are walls, smokes that deal damage. Neon Phoenix Viper. So, KO knife and ult forces Vista out of cloak. If caught in KJ ult, cloak is unequipped. Can't defuse or plant spike in cloak. This does seem like a Yoru ult in. This is quite literally a diet Yoru ult. It's a it's a Yoru ult, but in Yoru ult you can't be damaged. You can in this. Yeah. And but also, ult- this is way slower than Yoru ult because movement speed is redu- is uh, walking with knife out, yeah. whereas Yoru ult is running with knife out plus a little bit. So you are way slower in cloak than you are in your ult. I think that's fair. So it's not it's like similar to the ult but significantly worse. Yeah, yeah I, I I don't th- I don't think this is bad for an E ability. I don't either. I I don't like the idea of invisibility in the game. But I don't think and like also I think that gun reequip time being pretty good, not Jet dash, but like better than just equipping a gun. Uh, I don't know. I think that's really fucking good. And obviously, like we don't know what the sound cues are because, like, if a Yoru pops out of his alt, you have time. There's a very loud sound cue that you can adjust to, and the time is slow, right? Like it, it's slow yeah. to pull out your your gun after your. Yeah. So I kind of agree that like the the gun timing, like pulling it out, should be longer. Like I don't, I I I think like I don't think it's outright busted, but I I I don't know. I I think I think invisibility in games like this is much like time travel in stories. Like you're opening a can of worms as soon as that's introduced. I mean, it's already been introduced well, with Yoru. Yeah, and yeah, Yoru is not busted. All, yeah, Yoru is always not busted. In a bit of a different spot, I think, because number one, it's an alt. It's not something Yoru could do every round. And number two, there's a like, there's a lot of down. Like, it's not so much that there's downsides. Obviously, like it's an alt, better than not having it, but. Look, it takes you a really fucking long time to get your fucking gun out afterwards. Mm-hmm. 
And basically, yeah. you get pinged by any damage being done. Yeah, but just like I, I not I think through it makes, walls, but but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think this makes it impossible to just hold fucking angles in this game, right? Like, hey guys, no one's B. I'm watching the entrance to B. You guys got mid, right? But they could pop out like in front of your face almost. Yeah, I mean, I guess exactly. there's a mist. There's a mist there's around a mist you. Range. When you're holding an angle from far away, like you're not going to see anything. It's similar to Yoru's alt range when I know that there's a Yoru around me. You know, like you know, say yeah, I yeah. sent. Yeah, and that's where that's where what you guys said about the how how big how loud the sound is when you unequip the cloak cloak is really key because like as Yoru post buff to the alt, you know, if you go if you see someone and then you stay out of the range where they know I'm nearby, and then I go way behind them and unalt, they're still going to flick around because they can, they can hear that ult in most cases, unless it's an angle where I can go really far behind them, like halfway to Timbuktu. So, like, with this one, you got to ask, how obvious is it if someone's coming out of cloak behind you? And also, what's not specified here is if you still make footstep sounds when you're in cloak or not. Well, it says walking knife out speed, so I'm going to go ahead and assume no. But also, like... Oh, right. Because yeah, you yeah, don't that's, that's walk... Fair. Yeah, you don't have any footsteps when you're walking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it just makes it literally fucking impossible to hold, like, hold an angle from far away. Yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I, like, I, I don't like the concept of invisibility in every round as a potential. Well, imagine holding, like, on ascent from arches on defense. Mm-hmm. You could just walk your fucking ass across mid. They could walk across mid. They could walk from top cat to tree. They, like... You could do so much. If I'm holding B from, like, pretty much anywhere that isn't in garage, you can just walk out of garage. Yeah, 15 seconds is pretty long, particularly with the recharge. Yeah, and also, like, it doesn't mention that you've got reduced vision. So if you walk out of garage and you're like, oh, he's holding me from CT... I'll just fucking waltz my ass over to site. Yeah, you kind of need sentinels to counter any of this, right? And the whole thing is, it, like, sentinel, like, it, the whole agent is meant to bypass sentinels. No. I would argue it's meant I to would... bypass people who don't have sentinels. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. well. Because it, you it, still it, get hit by all utility, including sentinel utility. Right? Well. Or did it say that, like, Chamber Slow, Killjoy Alarm Bot is. What did it say the interactions were with that? Uh, I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him. Um... Yeah, when using Cloak, when Vista gets hit with utility that has an effect, Cypher, Trapwire, Chamber, Slowbot, Killjoy, Alarmbot, an outline of, Vis- of Vista flickers into view for a second. And it doesn't really say... But that means that you do get not... hit by the utility. Okay. Well, you so, do, yeah. but the funny thing is it, it's, it's a little bit vaguely worded to where I'm not sure if this is intended that you flicker for a second, but aren't actually affected by the thing, or if it's that you are affected by the thing and also flicker for a second. That's no, no, what I'm not really it, sure. It, like, earlier it says that you are affected by stuff. Okay. Like, I remember us reading through that. Like, you are affected by the stuff. Yeah, all debuffs affect you in cloak. Blind, okay, slow, okay, decoy, fair. nearsight, yeah. etc. Okay. okay yeah. Cool. So, I feel like it is, like, sentinels are required to counter this character. Mm. Right, but what what they're saying about um, countering Sova's like shock dart or or recon dart um, is that you can just hop into cloak, 
if you're in an area, right? You hop into Cloak. They, uh, like the, the bolt doesn't ping you. And then you can hop out of Cloak. See, here's the thing. I think there's one thing that none of us have covered yet that makes Cloak significantly weaker than a, than a Yoru ult. Because in a Yoru ult, if I... I try not to get close enough to people that they can see the blue goo on their screen and be like, oh shoot, there's a Euro near me. But if I do, if I if they do, if I do get too close and they see me, I still have time to react. And frequently I'll have a TP somewhere else so I can just get out of there completely. But in the case of the cloak, if someone has a rough idea where you'd be coming from, maybe they even saw you a couple seconds before, and then they see that like mist on their screen, they can just shoot you. They can just yeah. spray the area around them where you are. So, like, you have to be super careful to not get spotted while in cloak because you can't shoot, but you can be shot. And I feel like that balances it quite a lot. That Especially given the slow And they speed. can't get out of there. I mean, we don't know what the rest of right. the ability is, right? This yeah. is only the first, or I guess second ability, including the passive. But, like, it seems like you, you're not able to, like, teleport out. And, and save yourself it's kind of just like and you're walking so slowly that if you get spotted in an area where you're kind of trapped you're just fucking trapped there they know where you are you can't move quickly to get out of there mm -hmm. i mean this is all saying that not knowing what the fucking rest of her kit is um right, right. oh holy shit this is the next uh, page literally says pros and cons to cloak. <laughs> so we also we also wow. have nudes as a guest on this podcast. Basically, they get to let's go nudes. They they get to uh, come in and say what their pros and cons are. Pros. Yeah, and I guess I'll say for anyone who's not in the Discord, his name is spelled N O O D S. It's not like N U D E S, even though it sounds the exact same. Yes. Um, when you were saying that, I was like, is there a difference in the way they're spelled? But yes, yes, there is. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> pros to cloak uh good for an on-site hold on defense it's kind of like when you're in a ratty corner and they don't check you you can usually get two to three kills from people just by passing by and then shooting them in their back maybe but only if it's a far angle right if you're in cloak then they're going to see that you're there based on the little mist um yeah good for lurks on offense and defense if either side oversteps and tries to push you you can use cloak and be a rat and hide in a corner then pop out and kill them uh, you can peek angles True. without enemies knowing, even if they are holding that angle. That's, I mean, that's huge, right? If you're holding a far angle and, or you want to peek a far angle and just be like, oh, is there somebody holding this with an off or something? You can just peek it. They're not going to shoot you. Um, Unless they get that, uh, that spidey sense. Could be used in post plant to check if enemy is diffusing. Tinkle. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this is an agent whose E ability gets better the longer on around goes. Yeah. Like, probably not insane off barrier drop. I mean, maybe if you're able to peek something, like, immediately just to be like, is someone holding this? Or, like, what gun do they have? You know, you can see that shit. Yeah. But, like, again, I, like, I, I don't think it's an insane E ability off barrier drop. But the later on you get into a round, I think this ability is really really fucking good could be yeah. could be situation it's like hey um have they rotated off of this site like you know we put a lot of pressure on a has everybody left b let me just walk my ass on out and check basically right. for free yeah yeah 
Cons. If enemy team is expecting you somewhere, you can get mollied out or pre-fired. Uh, reduce movement speed. Can't hide in close corners or enemies will see the mist. Could get pre-fired in angles that you're suspected to be peeking, right? Because people are expecting to go up against this person, so maybe they'll just shoot anyway off barrier drop. Or whenever, right? Oh, shoot. I just had a not very related thought about this ability that... Um... In terms of countering utility, which is the whole point of this agent, this would be such a hard counter to Viper ults. Because even if you get close enough to the Viper to where they see the miss, the point of you countering a Viper ult isn't necessarily for you to get that kill. If you can show your team where Viper is so they can trade you from afar, like, that's fine, too. Yeah. So that's pretty massive. That could be massive, but also, like, you're going to be, like, 1 HP in, in the Viper. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, like, it, it's situational, because, right. like, Hunter, same way that, like, you use Viper, or, like, Yoru ult to counter Viper ult, like, it's situational. There are certain circumstances, and, like, obviously that game on on Fracture, where you just ran into the Viper's pit, and we're just like, hey, guys, spam me. Um, And you stood right next to the Viper while the Brimstone and I just fired bullets at you. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't like, always get that perfect situation. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's situational. Even yeah, but I feel like any situation where you have a Viper, where you have a Yoru ult and you have an enemy Viper who's ulted, even if you can't quite find the Viper in her ult, because, you know, she's the one place you didn't check, you can eliminate a huge amount of the pit that she's not in and yeah. tell your team she has to be in one of these areas. And even if you can't get that quick, oh, spray me down and kill them, that's still pretty massive. Yeah. True. Okay. So now exactly what we're talking about with uh with getting out of there for, for free. If if you get caught, well, we're we're getting fucked up by this by this uh -oh. Q ability. Um uh -oh. this Q ability is called phase. Like the clan. No um, way. When activated, Vista can phase from one spot to another. Vista can only phase through walls similar to breach flashes. I think this is an interesting mechanic. Um while phasing, Vista will have the option to cancel the phase and return to her original spot. Vista can still take damage in phase. After phasing through a wall, Vista has three seconds to either cancel and return to the original position or unequip and stay in the new position. While phasing, Vista is outlined, similar to a random dismiss. Vista must be within 10 meters of the wall to phase through it. Sound cue when Vista phases. Uh... Cloak can be applied with phase, but cloak speed decrease still applies. Cloak mist will be seen by enemies close enough to the cloaked phase. Uh, after phase, weapon re-equip time is similar to after jet dash. Vista can phase through corners up to a certain thickness. Interesting. Uh, Vista cannot phase vertically. So it's like a breach flash, but there is like a maximum distance that she can phase through walls. I mean, also like a breach flash, you can't you can't flash through everything, right? Right. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I think I it's like cool. It. I, I I think it's fucking sick. I like, think it's I, a I, cool I teleport ability. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this yeah. is this is something that like I've thought about for a while, and I would Same, like actually, to see it. Yeah. I, I'd like to see it in game. But again, is something that I think could be really fucking busted the longer on around goes. Well, like, for I, me, I, the, the, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say like, the fewer people that are on the map, the less people there are to be in hearing distance and or being distant 
of you doing this, right? And I know that there are some pretty ridiculous breach flashes that you can do from places that you think you might not be able to do them from. Um, I mean, imagine just getting behind the enemy team on barrier drop. Like, you just surpass their entire flank watch. Right? You're just right there. Mm-hmm. And with jet dashed equip time, that seems fucked. Yeah, I feel like the equip time would have to be slower. And the ability to cancel, like, yes, you can still be shot, but you can cloak and do this, and if you're far enough away from the enemies that they can't see your mist, then, like, you can just cancel out and be like, oh, you know, there were there were five of them there. Like, the information gathering util is insane. Yeah, there, there's a couple questions I have reading this that that aren't necessarily spelled out. One is... It says, after phasing through a wall, Vista has three seconds to either cancel or unequip. So I assume, like, Vista is just on the other side of the wall until she cancels or unequips. The way that I'm um, seeing it is, yeah. think of, think of like, Reyna dismissing. You know how you can, like, see her? But right, right. You can't really do anything about it? Well, in this case, you'd be able to shoot the dismissing Reyna as they're going through, like, as they're there. And then when they're there, they have the option, similar to Reyna, of canceling your dismiss and pull your gun back out. Or in this case, you would cancel a similar manner into which you'd cancel an Omen Alt. Or if you unequip this ability, you would pull your gun out as if you were canceling Reyna's dismiss. That that would make some sense. Uh, that, that was going to be another one of my questions of, like, where is your hitbox when you're phasing through the wall? before you've decided if you're going to cancel or unequip. And so one potential, one potential, like, what? I think you go through the wall and your hitbox is on the other side of the wall. Like, like, well, yes, but you have that option to cancel. So it's, it's sort of like you're in both, unless you're like literally placing down, unless the animation is literally like placing down like a teleporter or something before you do it. Like you're kind of in both places at once since you can just immediately go back. Oh, same with Omen's alt. You can immediately go back. What you can, huh? Yeah, oh, you Omen's can cancel. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, you right. can cancel Omen's alt, and also right, like right. same thing. Like I, I'm saying, just mix Omen's alt with Reyna dismiss. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair, but as you got as you're saying, Cass, I do feel like it could be kind of busted this ability, and you as well, Chase. Um, so like maybe one nerf to it uh, would be that you could be killed in either place until you unequip it. So, like, if you just commit to just going through the wall and ending up on the other side, so you immediately unequip it once you go through the wall, then, yeah, you're you're uh, you're very limited that way. But if you're just, like, phasing through a wall to just take a little peek and then decide what you want to do, now you have to worry about someone coming around behind you and shooting you while you're doing that. I mean, eh, sure, I like but I feel like most like of the time you're going to be using yeah. this, like, where you're safe. Probably. Well, so even if you're not using it while you're safe, I feel like your hitbox can only be in one place at once. Well, the w- I guess I guess the way I'm picturing this ability visually is like while Vista is phasing, she turns like translucent, sort of like Arena dismiss, and then there's a Vista on one side of the wall and the other side of the wall, and maybe they're colored differently or something, so you can tell which one is where Vista is currently at a quick glance. But like the idea is, since you have this choice to cancel, I picture yourself like astral projecting forward. 
not astral as an astra, but like astral projecting normally. So that's why I'm picturing like the two hitboxes here, since there's no like tech that's like given. I, okay. That's why this I, is happening. I, I kind of yeah. think you're picturing this wrong. I think think of it as if random dismiss could go through walls. And then yeah, but I feel like that's a lot less unique. But if you choose to cancel it, you'd just go back to the same spot that you were originally at. Yeah, but that just seems cancel. that just seems weird in ter- like not lore wise, but just in terms of like visually. I feel like that would look really strange if, like, why are you just able to go through walls? Like, I feel like there needs to be something in terms of how the kit, the agent, like, does their stuff, like, on a practical level that explains why this is happening. And so my idea actually explains that. I'm like, oh, well, I can just jump through walls and back. Hee hee. I'm just going to go ahead and say the brim can smoke hell. What? The brim can smoke stuff that has a ceiling okay well that's a i'm not saying that every agent has to be perfect with it but like if you were to tell me that like there's a tunnel that appears so like vista goes through the comes out the tunnel real quick and it doesn't have to be a realistic looking tunnel but there's some kind of like hole in the wall that she comes through and then there's a hole at the other side so like if you if you come up behind right after she's gone through and hasn't decided you can see you know, the hole in the wall, so you're like, oh, she went through, and then Ooh, she comes I like back that. to kill her. Like, that works as well. What if she opened a hole, hole in the wall that is a hole for everybody? Ooh. Just while she's in it, right? Like, she, she can, like, peel the wall back and go through it, but, like, before she's decided to, like, stick it or not, um, that's just a hole. So you could shoot through it, you could jump through it, you could do whatever the fuck. Bringing a little split gate into this conversation. I thought we determined this ability was too strong as is. <laughs> that much better? Oh, you're saying to have the rest of your team jump through as well? What? Yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, or shoot insane. through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, in, in hindsight... I was only thinking about the enemies being able to use this and not your own team. That seems oh, fucked. Was, yeah. <laughs> hey guys, um, you want to be in tree? Let's all just jump <laughs> through. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's fucked. And the same thing with uh... everyone jumps into a killjoy molly and set up in tree. Oh, <laughs> we made a terrible mistake. But like it, the same thing with. Even if you weren't able to go through it, if you're able to shoot through it, you could just open up a portal for your entire team to spam the other team as they're, like, off barrier drop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Best best Q in the game, if that's how it worked. Yeah, okay, so maybe that's not a good nerf. That's an insane buff, in a way. Um, yeah. Okay, the, uh, the C ability is called Pinprick. Um, and... <laughs> Okay, I just had an idea. So what if you this is an actual nerf. Okay. So what if you what if they what if uh Vista makes the tunnel and then if an enemy comes up behind so they see the hole where Vista went through, they can crawl into the tunnel after Vista. And upon coming out the other side, they don't fully come out, they're still in the tunnel, they can just see Vista's ass and they can shoot her in the ass only. Because that's the only place they can aim. <laughs> There we go. There's the nerf for uh, for Vista. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, as you're saying, pinprick. 
Yeah, I mean, just I think that your original idea of having like the astral projection with a hitbox on both sides makes more sense than that one. But you know, well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny in yeah. my head. <laughs> okay, okay, pinprick. Um, in parentheses, not gonna lie, this is a copy of Chamberbot with slight differences. Um, equip a small device that you can attach to any flat surface, floor, wall, ceiling, box. When enemies come within a specified distance, pinprick winds up and shoots a needle at the enemy. Think a chamber bot that can be attached to walls and ceilings. This needle does 25 damage on impact, an additional 10 damage every second the needle is in you. I'm calling this effect poison. The needle needs to be pulled out like a cipher camera bolt. It takes 1.5 seconds to pull out, which guarantees 35 damage on upon hit. That math is wrong. <laughs> That, that would be guaranteeing 40 damage per hit, because you take 25 initially, and then a second and a half would be 15 extra. No, but it ticks. It ticks every, every second. Oh, yeah, right. It wouldn't be divided. You're, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. The math is right. Uh, okay. Vista is notified when a pinprick is shot or destroyed, just like Chambers bot. Pinprick is destructible. Pinprick has a wind-up and sound cue before shooting, which gives the enemy opportunity to break the pinprick before getting shot. Pinprick will detect and prick an enemy Vista in cloak. Pinprick is universal. Vista does not need to be close. Like, oh, uh, okay. So it's like, it's global. Global. Yes, is the correct term there. And then pinprick cannot be equipped while in phase or in cloak. I think Nudes is a massive gas simp. He made an ability that's a chamber ability except better because you can put it anywhere and that does damage over time like Cass has long been asking to be in the game. Yeah, this just seems like a better chamber alarm bot, right? Like, it still gives you the information that the person is there. It slows them down because they have to stop to pull out this fucking dart, right? Like, like, imagine how long it takes you to pull out a fucking cypher bolt, right, when it's pinging you. And in this case, it's doing fucking damage, right? You gotta stop and pull this shit out immediately. Um, and it still gives you the information. It just doesn't slow you down, technically. I was gonna say that the difference is like with the with the chamber thing is uh, chambers thing is AOE. If you get if like the first person on the site gets caught by this, everyone's caught by it. Yeah, everyone's caught by it. If the first person on the site gets caught by this pin prick, well, sucks to be you. Yeah. Um. So it's like a global, but like Killjoy's alarm bot, right? It only hits one person or makes them vulnerable, right? Or yeah. can it vulnerable is, people in that AOE? That is not oh, true. It, it, it does have an AOE. People. It has an yeah. AOE. Okay. So this one is only a single person. It, it shoots a little pin Seems into like one it, person. Yeah. That does poison damage. Well, I'm going to go and say, uh, I'm pretty sure Cypher Cam can technically collapse. Is that true? I have no idea. I don't play I Cypher. Think, I, know I, that, I know that Sova's like... Collapse. Drone darts can collapse. Yeah. Um, I wonder if this would have the same collapse thing. I w- I would. I would assume go with yes. no. I'm gonna like just, but just mechanic wise, right? Like if the if the sova dart does it, or if the sova drone does it, if the cipher cam does it, I'm gonna go ahead and assume that this can. It just has literally no AOE. Yeah, it would just be basically random, right? Of or I guess not random. It, someone has to be directly behind you on the angle that this is holding and ends up shooting you. Yeah. 
but I think it's cool. I like the uh, the introduction of like damage over time because we've talked about that Me before, uh, and we don't yeah. have like a lot of damage over time abilities or any. Or um, any. Yeah. <laughs> so I th- I think that's cool, especially because it it used it utilizes a mechanic that's already in the game, right? With the pin that you have to pull out, like um like cipher's dart. Um. So I think that's cool. I think it's cool because it utilizes like a, things from a bunch of different characters here, um, but then still is differentiated enough by like the way that it acts. Yeah, I agree. I I, I don't think this is. I I think the E ability is much more a copy of the Yori Ult, and this is a copy of the Chamber Bot. Yeah, I I really like this actually as a as an ability. I think it's really cool. Um, okay, move on to the uh, to the final one to the ultimate. Um, called Assassin's Pride. When Vista uses her ultimate, in quotes, AP, all her sound cues are silenced to the enemy. Footsteps, utility, weapons. Weapon sounds being gunfire? I, I, this Ooh. is this is just me. It doesn't say that specifically. It but doesn't, that, but I, I gotta assume it, that's what it means. Because fuck. Um, that's disgusting. Holy... Um, within a certain radius, slightly smaller than a Killjoy Ultimate radius, teammates will also now get Vista passive, meaning that their footsteps are, her footstep oh, yeah. range is uh, decreased, and their utility, like sound cue range, is also decreased. Uh, this ultimate gives Vista the ability to use her kit to the fullest ability, as well as giving her the best opportunity for knife kills, which ties into her assassin theme quite nicely. I'm going to go ahead and say that, like, if you can silently cloak phase through a wall and they literally have no chance of hearing it. They can't hear it, but they can see it. But yeah. Yeah. You can fire your fucking gun without any noise. Like. Yeah. And you could obviously uncloak without there being any noise, because regardless of what the noise is by default, this would remove any. That's Mm -hmm. fucked. Yeah, it's actually funny because they say the the text says that you know this gives it the best opportunity for knife kills, but because of the mist that's going to show up on someone's screen, I think it just is much easier to just shoot someone in the back. Yeah, yeah, also, you your gun doesn't make so any noise yeah. anymore, right? And also, like there there is no there's literally no reason to knife anybody in this game ever. I guess there's a slight exception, which you quite literally have zero ammo in any gun. Well, I mean, I think the, I think the, the the other scenario is where you have you don't have enough ammo in a gun to reliably guarantee a kill before you have to reload. Like for example, if you know if you think the other person is full health in pistol round and you have a frenzy with two bullets in it, you have to hit both of those bullets to get the kill. At that point, going in for if you if the situation is right, I could see you using a knife instead. I'm gonna put the faith in my aim over the knife. Also, just like fucking back off and reload, or try to reload. Fucking. Well, in a case in a case where you'd be going for the knife, you're at extremely close range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bunny hop around and hope that they miss. I, I don't know, but like yeah, that sounds like some weenie behavior. Use the knife at that point. Dude, like they're like there, there, there is just like there's no reason to knife anybody. The benefit just isn't there. Like as a BM move, sure. Well, you're bad. also forgetting Great about, I think, the knife range boost, which, you know, we haven't really got to experience because we're forget so about the fucking knifing. Forget about the knife range boost. Unless they made it fucking Commando Pro from MW2, it's not worth it. 
like the, 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 chief. I mean, like there's very unique instances where a knife could possibly be useful. Um, give me, give me two yeah, fucking, yeah, for sure. give me two K credits for knifing somebody. Yeah, we, that's been an idea that you talked about really early on the podcast. Yeah, let, let's get back to this ult. <laughs> we're we're shifting. But yes, the ult I think is just insanely broken. I mean, I, I don't know be because like there are, there, there are a bunch yeah. of alts that like have guaranteed value, right? Like I'm thinking like a raise alt. Look with a raise alt, guaranteed value with a raise alt, you at least get a fuck ton of space. Uh, Only if the other team decides to give you that space. Yeah, I, I don't think you it's don't guaranteed. Head tapped. Like, yeah, I think I think that's a horrible example. Like, I think I think if you said Brim ult gives you guaranteed space, I would agree because no, no, no one's going to just I'm tank saying, that. Raise ult, raise ult does number one. Either you you get kills with it. It's a damage based ult. You're you're supposed to get kills with it. If the enemy team just oh shit, there's a raise ult. I'm gonna back off. You get space. Yeah, but you're not considering the possibility where someone just sits in a ratty corner, you don't know they're there, and they just decide, I'm going to hope Raze doesn't shoot her rocket here. And then you don't get that space. So that's why I don't think it's guaranteed. I think Brimolt is a much better example of guaranteed, because if someone was there, they are now dead. Yeah, but I, like, I'm not saying the whole point of it is space. I'm saying there's guaranteed value. My point is it's not there's, guaranteed. There's nearly, okay. <laughs> there's nearly guaranteed value out of Razal. Okay, and, yeah, and, and you can say like, the same thing not... about this because if someone's like could could be behind you at any time without you knowing, then that's enough to make them say, hmm, we need to change the way we play. So I feel like this has just as much guaranteed value as a Razal, if that's how I'm you're making, defining I'm guaranteed. I'm making that argument. I'm saying that yeah, this that's exactly what pretty Daz guaranteed is saying. Oh. oh, the way you said it, I thought you were saying this isn't guaranteed. No, I'm saying there are other alts in the game that have guaranteed oh, value. Okay. Well, I'm I still disagree with your definition of guaranteed, but I but I understand your point now. I agree with no, you. No, I'm saying point. like I I understand there. Yes, there are some circumstances in which you pop a fucking raise alt, you try to blast back in onto site, and someone just fucking whips around, one taps you out of the air. It, yeah, it, it happens, right? Maybe for sure, for sure. you pop you pop cloak you fucking phase through some shit after popping this alt and someone's standing there with a fucking shorty in your face and they're, they're already teabagging you they haven't <laughs> even gotten the kill yet and they're already fucking mashing the crowd spot that would be the ultimate you know? dm like like yes there are yeah if someone's looking guaranteed. at you then they're gonna yeah. they're gonna kill you here right but like for the most part you get pretty much guaranteed value out of it and i'm saying that's not the end of the world like i don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that I think it's a pretty solid ult, but it also requires her to have the rest of her kit. You know, like it uses like a whole, lot of utility to yeah, use it, it properly. It uses a lot of utility, right? Like the whole thing that I find with a bunch of alts is like you can kind of use them to change the course of a round in which maybe you don't have the best scenario, right? Like, yeah. I, obviously. I don't see a lot of people using raise alt like this, but you could use a raise alt in a similar way that you use a chamber and a jet alt or a neon alt. And you're just like, Hey, I'm going to go in. I'm going to get one kill. If I die after I get that kill, that's fine. Um, but also like if I don't die immediately, I got a gun now. Yeah. Oliver does that a good bit actually. Yeah. Or I got a couple kills, you know, like, um, like a, and like you know like viper alt it's like hey i can only buy a judge this round but i have my alt i'm just gonna fucking alt b site 
sitting there with a judge. The rest of you guys can hold other shit on the map. Like, uh, I, I think a lot of ults in this game are like, hey, this is value that I can get without needing a lot of the rest of my kit or needing a lot of firepower. Whereas I feel like this ult, maybe it allows you to get away with a bit less firepower. Like, maybe if people aren't expecting you somewhere, like, the Spectre is good enough to get the kill, and then you can get that gun upgrade. But, like, it still requires you to have the rest of your utility. Yeah, I think the thing I, I think the thing you're not considering here, Cass, is that there's a balance with every ult in the game right now between the possible reward you get from the ult and the amount of counterplay that's available to the ult. So, for example, if the Killjoy ult, from the time you place the ult, it was completely indestructible, the Killjoy ult would be the best ult in the game. Like, hands down. There's a reason that it's so easy to deal with the Killjoy ult, and that's because if you could just claim that entire huge circle for free for your team, then, you know, that would be way too strong. Whereas, on the other hand, uh, you could look at, like, you know, the Yoru ult, which is a bit more... Which is, a, which is a, you know, on the one hand, you don't have... If the Yoru stays outside of a certain range, then you don't have much counterplay to them scouting you out. But then the minute that you bust out of it, now you now you do have counterplay because now you know where they are. And so I think that's the issue with this. There is no counterplay to it because you go into ult. Yes, you have to have all your, your utility to make the most of it. But you go behind enemy lines and at any point while your ult is active, you can pop out and shoot someone in the back of the head. So basically the enemies have to be constantly 360ing. And even that isn't really enough because obviously the person's not going to pop out of alt right while you're looking at and them. And you can't even yeah, you can't hear them. You can't yeah. hear their gun if they if they whiff their first 5 shots, there's no opportunity for you to turn around. Yeah, you'd have to see their tracers hitting somewhere and be like, "Oh, your tracers going past or see bullets impacting somewhere and be like, "Oh, I guess someone's trying to shoot me from behind." Yeah, you have no shot. gun sound. There's just no counterplay whatsoever, and that's why I think this is way too strong. Okay, so before we wrap it up here, there is a last post with uh, forgotten information, um, which includes utility counts. Um, cloak is time-based with regeneration, such as like Neon Ult or Neon you know, Dash. Um, phase 1, 35-second cooldown, which... This is where I have a problem. You're giving them two abilities on cooldowns. Does any other character have that? I mean, Astra in a way. Because all of her stuff is on cooldown. True, but you're using stars to do it, right? You're, you don't get another star on cooldown. Yeah, that's true. Like, Astra's very unique, I guess, in the way that, that her kit yeah, functions. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, technically, you get stars on cooldown if you recall them. Well, yeah, but you had to buy them to begin with. You you still only I, have that star. Once you've used it, you've used it. I, I said technically. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think that there should just be, like, you should get one phase. Yeah, no, you just get one phase. Like, yeah, why, that's why the it. fuck do you get multiple? You're like, what? No, you, you just get, get one multiple. phase and you buy yeah, it. Yeah, you get one phase. You, you buy it, you get it. Okay, like speak. That's the, oh, that's it. and you get two pinpricks. Yeah, okay, this is pre-chamber nerf. Yeah, I think now you get one pinprick. Yeah. yeah, you get, you get, you get fucking one. Yeah. You, you don't get two of them. I agree Interestingly, with that. I just realized this now. It doesn't say what class this agent is. 
No, I'm gonna have to go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I was actually gonna say I I like the idea of them introducing a new class being assassin. We can get into that later. That's a whole. That's a can of worms we'd have to open. But but I like the idea of there being another class. Yeah, we've we've had this conversation before. Of the classes don't fucking matter. They can call them. This could be a duelist. Yeah. Yeah, you could have, like, well, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say no, it couldn't be a duelist, but, like, eh, well, actually, maybe it could. It could be a duelist. You'd take a lot of space using utility to set yourself up. Maybe be a duelist, yeah. It could be a duelist with some sentinel-ish utility, but they can call it a duelist. I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But, like, I, I like the concept of there being a new role in the game being assassin. But we'll, we'll get to that eventually. Okay, so utility costs. Cloak, free, obviously. Uh, phase, 300 credits. Pinprick, 150 each. I think the cost of the pinprick has to go up now that you we are deciding you only have one of them. Wait, wait, wait. Why does it have to go up? Just because you got one of them. Um, because that's what happened to Chamber. Well, I mean, if if it, it didn't go up, then the total to cost of the kit would be four fifty. Yeah, and that's like yeah, really, that's really not... low cost. Right. Yeah. Okay. That would mean you could you get frenzy get plus four utility every. Are we say like maybe you get yeah, two phases that you no, can no, buy no, for like three hundred no, 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 each? No, 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 no. You, you don't get two fucking phases. <laughs> the, the ability's good enough as is. You don't get fucking two of them. Okay. Ultimate duration forty seconds. Seems a like a long ass, ass time. time, too long. And then ultimate range um, doesn't say an exact range, but it says that the radius um, that gives your teammates the Vista's passive is centered on Vista and moves with her, sim- which I'm assuming is similar to like KO, KO pulsing. But I think that that's the most useless part of the entire kit is the fact that it gives your teammates decreased footsteps. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say though, like, if by weapon sounds, it means, like, reloading, because I know re-equipping a weapon doesn't actually, like, it has a sound to you, it doesn't have a sound to the right, opponent. Right. Um, like, if it goes ahead and says that, like, it basically just means reloading, and, like, your gun still makes noise, would you also say this is still equally as busted? Yes. If just her utility has no noise, is the ult and still footsteps. as busted? Yeah, yes. okay. The footsteps so, is the huge thing. There's no footstep noise. Right? Imagine, like... Yeah, okay. Obviously, like we, we now have Fatal in the game, 40 seconds is right? way too... Yeah. 40 seconds is way too fucking long. Okay? I'm not making an argument against that. That, that is way, way too fucking long. But... Do you still think her alt is... As, as good as it is right now? If your gun makes noise. But... It's not as good as it is based on the way we've interpreted, no. But is it still fucking really good? Yes. I also just don't think the passive is super useful, but I guess it, it, it does something. Yeah, I mean, you know, just passive isn't really all that useful, but, you know, it, it does something. I mean, it combos in with the other utilities extremely well. I don't think that this passive is, like, necessary for the use of the other utility. Oh, dude, I was being completely facetious. Chet's passive is fucking insane. <laughs> exactly. I, that, yeah. I, I knew that you were being facetious. Um, <laughs> but I'm saying that, like, this, 
unlike with jets, which makes hers really good, is that you need that passive to make use of the utility that she has. Right? Um, specifically updraft. You don't need it to make use of updraft. It's really fucking nice. Well, because you're just going to take fall damage fucking always. Right? Like, right. <laughs> if, you, if you just had updraft without the passive. You can make her a loader. Oh, no, it's also, no, no, if you yeah, just had yeah. updraft without the passive, you could just, like, updraft on top of boxes. You get on top of shit, yeah, but you couldn't just yeah, updraft yeah, yeah. over the ground. Yeah, think of it like a step-up. Yeah. Like, if you knuckle a step-up, like, yeah, it sucks. My, my knee's not gonna explode. Oh, like a, like a jump in skiing. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, I was like, what the fuck is a step-up? What game <laughs> is that from? But... <laughs> Okay, that is the uh, that's the end of the character. I think it's overall it uses like a lot of really cool um, utility ideas. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I I really like the phase, and I would like something like that in the game. I just like and like I I, I like the E, I like the cloak. You know, obviously the you know the uh, the pinprick it, it's similar to chambers trap and. Other... But I think the idea of damage over time and only affecting one person is really interesting because you know it's different from other stuff in the game yeah, i'm gonna say it seems like and again i, I don't really want to get into this too much because i want to talk about this in greater depth later but I, I like the idea of an assassin character who's like really good at working and also kind of stops the other team from doing a really good job of working um but oh, uh sentinel <laughs> i mean a sentinel who isn't sage <laughs> I mean, kind of, but also we'll we'll we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Um, okay, okay. No, no, nonetheless, like I, I I like a bunch of the ideas. I just feel like it, it runs into like I and again this runs into a similar problem of like, you know, we're, none of us are fucking riot devs. Um, I don't know how to balance a game. You know, uh, I I I think there's a lot of stuff in here that like the minutia could make it balanced. How how yeah. far away is the sound cue, right? Like Yeah. Um Right. It's like really technical long, details that yeah, make this like balance. How long exactly does it take me to re equip my gun? How long is that radius in which people can see this mist? Like there there's a bunch of minutia that goes into it which could potentially balance this. I would agree. But uh, in in the way in which I'm interpreting in my head, it seems really fucking good. Um, I feel like I this is one of the most character. viable characters that I could actually see being introduced into the game that we've reviewed so far. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. And that could also just be biased because it was so insanely detailed. So we have like a lot to go off. We have of. a lot. Yeah. To I mean, go Arctic, off of Arctic was insanely detailed with uh, his agents as well. It's been a while since we've talked about them, but mm -hmm. yeah, and I mean, all all of the ideas we've covered have been you know good in their own different ways. Um, for sure. But I feel like this one I, I could see actually being a part of the game. Um, and I think it'd be really cool if, if these were implemented in some way. Yeah, I, I, I just like, and again, as I stated earlier, I just find it kind of hard in that this character just gains so much more value the longer the round goes on. Which there's nothing inherently wrong with. Like, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily bad character design by any means. Like, I don't think there's any problem with having a character that gets better the longer a round goes on. 
um, in the same way that I would argue the Phantom just gets better the longer a round goes on. Um, but that that is something that hasn't necessarily been directly introduced into the game yet, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. With that, any uh, any closing remarks on the uh, on the half a soapbox, or I guess one soapbox from uh, from Hunter and uh, <laughs> and not a soapbox for me, but that that's the uh, soapbox from news. this episode. Well, I was yeah. gonna say, can I do mine because I don't think it's very long, and I really don't want to save it. Well, you're the one who has to go to fucking bed, and it's been thirty minutes past yeah. when you said you wanted oh, to dude, go. Oh, so. dude, yeah, I I took my melatonin pill about like twenty minutes ago. Oh, so this is going to be a really high energy <laughs> soapbox for you then, eh? <laughs> um. Okay. Well, yeah. So I I don't think it'll take us too long to get like to to cover. Um. So in that regard, I can kind of still get to bed fairly soonish. But I I really don't want to hold on to this for that much longer because like I, I don't think it's going to mm-hmm. be a expandable topic for like a future episode. Um. And I went through the effort of coming up with it. So we're doing it. Uh, okay, basically, I think that the 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 pro meta is not a viable metric to base rank character picks upon, and on top of that, as kind of like a secondary facet, from a professional context, the initiators are way too fucking strong. Like, as a role in general. Hmm. I feel like there's a really a lot to discuss here that would take way more than until your melatonin kicks in. Yeah, I mean, I I guess if we're going to to briefly cover cover this, I think well, there there are multiple facets to this, but initiators being too much, we were literally just talking about how the roles don't make sense. Like or they they make sense, but like the roles don't necessarily matter. So what you're talking about is individual agents being too yeah, strong. The the individual agents that happen to comprise of the initiator class. But I don't think that any individual agent by itself is overpowered at the current moment. So and like KO. In a professional setting, I'm gonna go ahead and say KO is overpowered. But he's not picked on every map. I don't think he's even picked on like the majority of maps. Like I, I mean he's like becoming game. pretty, pretty meta as like a really good initiator, but like most comps have multiple initiators in them. Right. And it's just because those are the agent utilities that you need. Like as a primary flasher, like an entry flasher, like KO is really good. And so that's the role that he fills on these teams, which is important to the way they're playing the game. Like I, I... so is your, is your entire, is this part of your soapbox just KO is too strong or are you trying no, to say something different no, with no, it? No, no, no. I, I, I just think, like, I, like I, I think out of all of the characters that currently exist in the game, in their current status, as of 6-14-2022, at 10-23pm, I think KO's the only agent that's maybe slightly overtuned. That's all it's tossing out there. It has nothing to do with my soapbox. Um, I just think KO might be, might be a little too good. The ability to make other people not do jack shit. For ten seconds, kind of fucking strong. It's wild to me that you think that's the problem with KO and not the right click flash. Yeah, because I feel okay. like the right click flash, flash is what miles made it better. Yeah, like the, the, the yeah. flash is really, really fucking good. But no, 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 I'm saying KO in a professional setting. I'm not saying KO in a ranked setting. 
You think that's people also don't get what right, right, right click flashed and killed in pro games? I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying I don't think that's what makes him busted in pro games. I think that's exactly what makes him busted in pro games. Like, yes, his, yeah. his other, like, his suppress utility is used for, like, site execs and for information. But that's, like, that was in the game for a while. And he was not being yeah, picked up. People just didn't. People played him. Oh, yeah, people played him. No, no, I'm not saying people didn't play him, but, like, I, I feel like you just, like, you, I, I feel like people didn't fully, completely adapt to the fact that, like, like there are certain things you can do when a KO suppresses a given agent, particularly a Sentinel. Hey, Cypher and or Chambers global traps are not active for these next 10 seconds. Yeah, but that's only him. in the scenario where you know where Cypher is and you throw the thing on him or you get incredibly lucky. Or you or you get him, right? Like, if you if you just get him. Yeah, but then you have to have other yeah, players. Yeah, and you can chuck in... a Rim Molly randomly on site and have it land on a Sova who's in his drone and not notice he's taking damage from the Molly. And well, that's, that's not true because you, you leave your drone as soon as you take damage. But, okay, I didn't know that. I don't play yeah. Sova enough. Okay, but also, there's a big fucking difference between the range of a fucking KO knife and the range of a fucking Brim Molly. If you throw your KO knife onto site and it doesn't get shot, which also, there are unsuitable locations for KO knives, which are very fucking strong. Yeah, um, I mean, that is true. You you can... And, like, like uh, say we're talking Breeze, for example, right? Very common thing to do is chamber. Put a trap up at the end of halls. You'll know if anybody's pushed through it. And obviously, if they open the door, you'll hear the fact that they've opened the fucking door. Um, but, like, then you op the titties. You're either left or right titty, right? You get a KO knife to land somewhere that covers the titties and can't easily be shot. And, hey, we got the chamber. For the next 10 seconds, if no one's actively washing halls, we can just push through there. Well, of course, but that there, that relies on so many other things, which is – that's just a strategy, Cass. Like, I don't think that that's broken. I think that that's just strategy and using the utility, right? I'm just saying I think it's a really fucking good piece of utility. I mean, in the same way, if I spot where the, like, chamber's slow is, I now know that this other commonly used place on the map does not have a chamber trip on it. So maybe, a, like, oh, I, I see that this is in halls. I can hear it. Um, you, you're you free to push up and flank um, around the back of their spawn, right? Go take that space. But there's a lot more in your way than just that, right? Like, there's fucking five other people on the team with other utility and, like... Sure. I mean, I, I think we are kind of barking up the wrong tree here. Like, that wasn't really the main point of my thing. Did, let me go... To go back to your main point, Cass, are you saying that initiators are overpowered at a pro level? Yes. I think okay. the initiators are too good at a pro level. I think this comes I, from wanting to see more yeah. du double duelist comps. Well, what, what I will duelist. say... I want to see a duelist comp. Like, fuck, dude, some of the past pro games I've watched have had no duelists. Which, yeah, oh. I cast. I will say that I find it hard to compare in initiators versus controllers and sentinels, but I would 100% agree with the statement that initiators currently far outclass duelists and that's a problem like if the duelists aren't fucking busted a la jet pre-nerf you don't see duelists and yeah raise is currently having her spotlight in the meta but like 
there are so many team comps I've seen at a professional level that include no duelists. And then two initiators in many cases. Yeah. If they're going no duelist. Yeah. Initiator of triple initiator. Like Sova fade KO. Like, like I, I think the initiators all happen to be really, really fucking good when you have a setting of four other people on your team that know how to play off you and actually calm and listen to what you're saying, which apparently is too much to ask from the average person. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, you know, I've never seen at a pro level, at least not that I, not that I can remember in a meaningful game, a zero controller comp. So, like, I have a hard time saying, oh, initiators are, are better than controllers. However, like I said, if you said, you know, initiators blow duelists out of the water on average in terms of how important they are, yeah, I would have to agree. And I, I, that highlights both the strength of the initiators and the weakness of the duelists at the moment. Yeah, I agree. Although most comps you see I still have a duelist in them at least, right? And saying like, oh, you know, one duelist comp. Well, you said at least. Really I don't know when I've last seen a double duelist comp. I mean, somebody's played a double duelist comp recently, but I couldn't tell you who and when. Yeah, my point is just it's zero or one for the duelists, whereas it's one to three for the initiators. Yeah, wait, yeah. Have you ever seen a no initiator comp? No. I don't think I can remember. But one. it's very yeah. important utility, right? Like, there's other. Like, I've seen no Sentinel comps. Yeah. Consistently. Before, specifically before Chamber, too. Right? Chamber's really good and really in the meta right now. Right? But you can say the same thing about Sentinels. Which we have in the the podcast before where we we specifically talked about why Sentinels suck right now as a class. But... Yeah. But but I, I I like I, and I think that the the duelist first initiator thing is at a a similar junction and either you have a duelist who's really too fucking good at what they do and if they're not an initiator's just better team wise right you get more team utility which in a pro setting is just better I mean this just harkens back to my original statement that whether they're called a duelist or an initiator doesn't really matter. It's more about the individual agents. And it's just that the agents in initiators are more like suited to the, the pro meta currently than the agents Mm -hmm. that are within the class of duelist. Yeah. And that's not a class issue per se. That is an agent issue. Mm -hmm. Which again, I I don't disagree with like my, my whole thing here is I think that the, like I'm like I I don't think that necessarily any of the initiators are busted in a ranked setting. Um, you can make the argument that pre Sova nerf, Sova was just absurdly fucking good in ranked. And if you had a good Sova and you you had not necessarily like a plethora of like lineups, but just like the ability to get your dart where you needed it when you wanted it there. Um, like that that was basically invaluable in a team comp. Um. And, like, there there was just, like, no if ands, or buts. But, like, now with the Sova nerf, I don't think there's necessarily a ranked bias towards the initiators. But I think there's definitely a pro bias towards the initiators in which there is, like, it's similar to Astra, right? In which, like, they just got so much more value based upon 
good coordination, set plays, things like that. And I don't really know the the proper way to address that. I don't know if it's, yeah, it's a difficult. problem. I mean, like, I don't yeah, mind just... seeing, like, sick KO pop flashes out of smoke. Like, that's dope. Right? Or, like, seeing the strategy of, like you were saying, you know, using the information gained off of a KO um, knife to to push an area that would have otherwise been unsafe. Even though my previous argument was that doesn't really matter. Obviously, it can matter in some strategies. And, like, I think it's cool to utilize that. Right? Like, that's the kind of stuff that you watch yeah. Pro for is for that those cool ideas, cool coordination, right? Really outthinking the opponents, and then also some fucking crazy flicks. I was gonna say I watch pro games to see someone just fucking click ads. Yeah, but as we now know, that's by far not the most important part of of playing a professional game, right? Like yeah. you can have five people that click heads, and they won't win against you know five people who can click heads slightly worse but have really, really good team coordination and ideas. Yeah, but like... Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Like, yes, that like everything you're saying is very true. I just think that, like, like Riot is almost in a... Uh, not necessarily stuck between a rock and a hard place, but like at a fork in the road would be the more accurate way to put it. Of like, you've got a scenario in which there, there, there's almost like two roads that you can take from here. Um, and I really don't know how you pick one or the other without kind of spitting in the face of either pro gameplay or ranked gameplay. I used to, I see, like, we've, we've had this conversation before. It's kind of a recurring topic of how do you balance those two. And I think that right now, not that I think it's perfect, but it's in a pretty good spot where it's still fun to watch these comps, like, in, in pro level. But, like, it's not like we're seeing the lack of any of these characters on the, at the ranked level either, right? Like... Besides in, Phoenix. Yes. <laughs> in in general, money. the pro meta does yeah. like dictate agent pro play rates in in ranked, but you still see a duelist in every lobby. Pretty much in, in ranked, right? It's not like we're like, oh, you know, I've stopped playing Rays and now I'm a KO main only. Because that's what I see in pro. Like that that doesn't really happen that often. You still have duelists in, in most, if not all of your games. Right, which was that was the other like the second part to my like soapbox it was that like the the pro meta is it should not be uh, a predication of what you should do in rank. Totally no, agree. and I think in general it it's not, but it does obviously have effects because the people that you see doing cool shit with an agent, you want to do that cool shit yourself. Mm-hmm. Right, so also, there's always going to be a bit of trickle down to that, but I think that it's not in a place where we only see that. Yeah, like, you know, double duelist comps uh, and even sometimes triple duelist. Well, I would say double duelist comps are arguably the mo- the best comps in ranked, at least at our level. And then I've had really good triple duelist comps before as well. 
especially pre-chamber. I, I think triple duelist is a bit of a stretch. I, I like the double duelist in comp still. Um, well, I think if you go triple duelist controller and then either initiator or sentinel, like obviously you're giving up something, but you can still do all right. I mean, I would probably sentinel at that point because one of your duelists, if not two, are going to have flashes that can get you onto site and act as an initiator. Um, neon raised jet. Who's picking a neon raised jet? Just saying. Triple duelist comp, no flashes. Well, also, I'd, I'd also like to point out that those are the three agents that get played a lot in, in comp. Or not in comp, in, in the pro meta. Right? Well, like, I wouldn't say that Neon yeah. gets played a lot. I mean, especially I mean, with, with Optic and the way that Victor plays Neon. Like, other other teams in, yeah, Baby in pro Bay have been picking neon up Neon significantly because they see the effectiveness yeah. of it. Yeah, so. significantly, but still, I wouldn't say that Neon is a must-pick on any map. Which is a which is a huge difference from maybe fracture now. <laughs> yeah, maybe I I don't know. I haven't looked. Yeah, at but that doesn't yet. necessarily make her a bad pick, right? Which like no, no. But I'm just saying I don't. I wouldn't say it's fair to say that Neon is getting played a ton or a lot. I think oh, she's yeah, getting I, played I, I, sometimes. I like. I very rarely see Neons in in ranked games. No, no, no. Actually, no uh, Chase was saying in pro games, Neon is getting played a lot, and that's where I'd say I would disagree with that statement. Yeah. I'm not talking about ranked games. I, I'd, I'd, I'd say she's getting a decent amount of play. Yeah, not like a ton. It's no... Right, right. It, it's no... We're, we're splitting hairs here. It doesn't really yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like... I don't know. I I, I feel like there's... It, it's something that's going to need to be addressed at some point. I don't know when that some point is. But... I I think it's... I think it's coming. Okay, we can agree uh, to disagree there because I don't think that it will be or needs to be addressed. Oh, personally, I'm going to take a in-between position and say that in in the line of what we're saying in terms of the initiators not being a monolith, Fade and Sova are kind of their own thing, and then Breach, KO, and Sky are kind of their own thing in a way because all three of them, one of the biggest things you look for out of them are their flashes, not only but that's one of the main things that you look for out of them and flashes are used to take space primarily um even though there are other uses for them which is what kind of tends to clash most with duelist identity of also taking space so i think the 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 real thing the real balance is between ko sky breach and the duelists and so if those i don't really think breach needs a nerf but i think between sky and ko with ko first and sky is maybe a second like maybe you tone them down a little bit, and then you boost up the duelists who are considered weak, and that's how you achieve equilibrium without like vastly throwing out of whack the comp meta or the pro meta. I mean, I, I think they already kind of did that with Sky. Like Sky has a much harder time peeking off her own flashes now. Um, well, yeah, that's why I said KO first, and then you see if now Sky just replaces KO. I don't. I just think that's the. I agree with you. That's they, the order of operations. The PEMDOS. Yeah. Of- yeah. <laughs> right right i think breach is the one who is pretty safe and that i, I really don't think okay so uh, if we're gonna link this to pemdos we're saying phoenix is the p oh absolutely. i mean he needs to be the first to get changed because he needs yeah. serious buffs okay anything else does that that's your soapbox cast yeah yeah no that, that was kind of my soapbox. this was fun yeah. this yeah. was a good time it's cool to have all of us as guests we had three guests on this podcast yeah, me, me not being one of them, but you know. 
<laughs> nudes being the, the one yeah. for you, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually did want to leave with one thing, which is that uh, I just checked, and the battle pass ends in seven days. And we are recording this podcast super early. Uh, we normally post on Mondays, and we're recording this uh, Tuesday. So that means that next time we do we record a podcast, if we record it at a more normal time for us, which is towards the end of the week, then we will have had a couple days to play on the new map, assuming they drop the new map with the new uh, episode, um, which will be pretty sick. So hopefully next uh, podcast, we'll get to talk about our opinions of the new map. Which I'm really looking forward to. So stay tuned. That'd be dope. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about a new map, but I'm excited for Mm -hmm. a new map. Something. Yep. I've heard some interesting things about the new map. Um, I mean, we can have a whole episode on it next time if that's what what ends up happening. So yeah, we might. All right, Chase. Yep. All right. We will drink with you later.